Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. A little while ago, you were biting your nails. Now you're starting to think, okay, this math could work for us, and we'll see. And one of the things I'm going to check when the panel gets on the board here, again, 72% Jefferson County. We're keeping that margin over there. They're getting excited across the room there. Well, yeah. that tends to happen on election nights. That's not, oh, just uh, wow, look at this. Just All of a sudden, in. Doug Jones is Hale, taking the lead. Hale County just came take, in. Take a look. Which puts him back in the lead. Uh, with 87% of the vote is in. And it's a... It's a historic night for Alabama, I think. Well, talk about it. What, what just happened to your home state? Well, I, I think uh, Doug Jones uh, used the, uh, the uh, metaphor of the crossroads. I think that's right. And for the first time uh, in 175 years, we took the indisputably right road. Uh, whether that is permanent or not, but we can say two things with, with certainty. Alabama, for the moment, has thrown off the dead hand of George Wallace. And we've crossed a demographic divide in which the modern, urban, educated, uh, upwardly mobile population of Alabama has coalesced and for the first time brought Alabama to a place that Atlanta and Georgia, for example, passed in 1970. Well, this is a wake-up call for Democrats. Your Democrats... And I told Mr. Jones this, and I love Doug. They've taken the black vote and the poor vote for granted for a long time. It's time for them to get off their ass and start making life better for black folks and people who are poor. They've always had our votes, and they have abused our votes. And this is a wake-up call. We got it in a great position now. But this is a wake-up call for Democrats to do better for black people and poor white people. We witnessed, we witnessed a, a race, a, a, an outcome that many people thought was impossible. We witnessed an outcome that is an earthquake in a lot of ways. I mean, the Virginia, the mid, the, the off-year elections that we saw in Virginia, New Jersey, other places, yeah. obviously a huge repudiation for Donald Trump and the Republican Party. This orders of magnitude greater in some ways. Uh, Doug Jones and his campaign ran a fantastic race. They did everything technically right in terms of how they got their campaign together, in terms of doing the turnout that Steve Kornacki has been talking about all day. Uh, New South Alabamans, Alabamians, who have been wrestling with the ghost of George Wallace for 30, 40 years and wanting their state to be seen as a modern place, part of the New South, like Georgia, like Atlanta, now uh, worried about being embarrassed by the election of Roy Moore. They did what they needed to do tonight to get things right from their point of view. And now uh, in Alabama, a Democrat elected to uh, uh, to the Senate, uh, not just any Democrat, but the Democrat who, who prosecuted the, 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 the evil men who, who bombed the, the church and killed those four um, little girls in Birmingham, uh, that Democrat uh, was elected to the U.S. Senate in, in, in an utter repudiation of Steve Bannon uh, and what he stands for, in an utter repudiation, I think, by extension of Donald Trump and what he stands for. Uh, so I think we will look back on this as part of a continuum and a very, very significant night, not just for the Democratic Party, but for this country. Eugene, thank you. Uh, as always, you just put things into uh, relief and context. Was Steve Bannon's influence diminished at all last night, or does he still have enough pull among Trump's base to still cause trouble 
for Mitch McConnell and other yeah. members of the, the so-called establishment? That's the key question before the 2020 presidential election is, did Bannon, uh, did the Breitbartism uh, of the, uh, the America First uh, wave that elected Trump, did that carry such a flawed candidate to within 20,000 votes? Uh, Senator-elect Jones won. It's probably good news for the country, uh, I think inarguably, but it was close. This was not a blowout. Uh, and so I do think that that's going to be a salient factor going forward. Jones was able to energize a traditionally weak Democratic network here. We're going to make this happen, guys. He was buoyed by millions in outside money and outspent more on campaign it's ads by time. five to one. Will we make their abuser a U.S. senator? His campaign says supporters knocked on 300,000 doors and made more than a million phone calls. And Jones had multiple campaign appearances a day, while more shied away from cameras, dogged by allegations of sexual misconduct with teenage girls. Things are looking good for us. Jubilant Democrats said a win in deep red Alabama shows they can easily pick up seats in Arizona and Nevada next fall and retake control of the Senate. Pennsylvania's Bob Casey said the GOP is well, on the ropes. Chuck, a Democrat wins the Senate in Alabama. You haven't said that in two decades. <laughs> how, did, how did he do it? Uh, he did it uh, on the backs uh, of a bunch of things. Number one, you had to have what happened, which was Republican disunity. That helped. He had massive Democratic enthusiasm. And in many ways, we saw the same thing in Alabama that we saw in Virginia, where the blue areas just turned out in higher numbers than the red areas. And now Republicans have to be asking themselves, is this a one-off? Is this a, a candidate who was flawed? Or is this a sign of what could happen in the 2018 midterms? First of all, Donald Trump is political toxin, period. Look at the year throughout. You have to go through. This is not a one-off. Let's start. This started in Kansas, in Montana, in Georgia. There were all these special elections. Now, Democrats didn't win them, but they were overperforming by 10 and 15 points. Democratic enthusiasm, Trump problems. And then all of a sudden, Virginia, the big explosion in the win. And now you see in Alabama, if Trump can't get a 50% job approval in Alabama, if he can't carry over his candidate in Alabama, every Republican in the country this morning needs to wake up and fear for their political lives. Doug Jones is the winner. CNN projects that he is the winner in this race. This is a huge win for the Democrats. We needed this so bad. This is me in my pajamas, watching it come in with Allah, my best friend. You should have been at the party. See? Party. Oh, we did it, we did it. It's a big party here. The country needed this. Thank you, Alabama. Thank you so much, Alabama. Oh my God, we gotta see more. I wanna see more. I wanna see the more people. They're so sorry. Thank you. This news just coming across the screen there from the horse's mouth. I can barely hear myself. Alabama, the people of Alabama made this happen. They said, we do not want this man representing this state, this bad man, Roy Moore. We do not want him represent. And they, the women and the women of color, they got out there and they voted and they made this happen. Thank, Thank you, Alabama. We love you, Alabama. It's going to be a competitive race, but it was Roy Moore's race to lose. Those allegations against him made this a very competitive race. I don't know until I see it in the paper tomorrow. I mean, nothing's real. I'm so happy. So many volunteers, you guys. So many volunteers made this happen. Good night.
Can you believe it? Are you guys happy? How are you feeling? I'm all right. Not you a lot. I'm so happy right now. First of all, I mean, this definitely does show that there are standards and there are limits to what voters will accept. Yes. In this era of tribes, even in this era where Democrats and Republicans stick to their I can't wait to see the Trump tweet. Alabama, you have restored my faith in politics, in humanity. Thank you, thank you. I can't wait to see more speech. Uh, and then third of all, I, I have to say, this is a huge defeat for President Trump. Yeah. This is deep red Alabama. President Trump made the calculation that he was going to double down. He was going to stick with uh, this candidate, uh, the candidate who followed the Trump playbook for when there are allegations against you. Uh, just deny them all uh, and to you. Uh, I, I'm seeing all your responses and everyone that is responding saying that they are inspired and that they are crying right now. I want you to take this, take this moment, do whatever you can for 2018 for the midterms. I want you to volunteer. I want you to get out there. I want you to use your voice because every, as we're seeing right now, every single vote, every vote counts, every vote. Okay. No one even considered the notion of what we're seeing right now, that a Democrat could be the one to win his seat. But it is this, this stunning turn of events, particularly within the Republican Party, and the fact that they had such a flawed candidate, Republican after Republican, uh, told me, and, and I'm sure you, you too, uh, uh, Jake, that this is... Uh, Probably the worst Republican candidate in forever. And by the way, Roy Moore is a really bad horseback rider. I'm just going to put that out there. Of relief among Republicans in the Senate. the Senate. They don't have to deal with expulsion. They don't have to deal with Roy Moore around their neck dealing with uh, having the, the, the idea that. Okay, you guys, I'm signing off. I love you. I love you, everybody. Thank you for always supporting me and uh, my craziness. <laughs> um, and thank you again, Alabama and Doug Jones. Versus, um, Doug Jones. This is just, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everybody. As John noted, the senior Republican senator, Richard Shelby, actually came on my show on Sunday and basically told Republicans right in Canada. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 16th of December, year of our Lord 2017. And I am your sick host. Excuse the no podcast on Wednesday. I got the Ebola virus. <clears throat> Better than most people, but I had to work through it. And 
to be quite honest, I just couldn't get on the mic because you couldn't have heard me, and even today my voice is horrible. So, we just heard, of course, uh, more losing. You heard uh, CNN newsroom on live TV cheering when the Democrat took the lead. Charles Barkley saying what I love to hear out of Charles Barkley, that, you know, maybe the Democrats should do something for black people. A New York Times editor saying that Alabama is now on the right track. Chuck Todd saying that all Republicans are fearing for their lives because a pedophile, a guy accused of being a pedophile, lost by 1%. Yeah, 1%. And then Alyssa Milano crying. So We'll go into the reaction from Hollywood. Thank you for restoring my faith in humanity, Alabama, and thank you for fighting for what's right. G. Douglas Jones, and thank you to every volunteer who knocked on doors who made phone calls that worked tirelessly to make this happen. Sharon Stone, Charles Barkley, and this booker showed us what good men look like. Oh, okay. Chris Evans. Holy shit, does this mean I don't have to bury 2017 in the backyard? Thank you, Alabama. Yeah. Stephen Colbert, Katy Perry, Seth Myers, even Evan, Rachel Wood, all got in the act. The History Channel. Here's a list of five things most daring escapes from slavery, although according to Roy Moore, America was great then, so why would people want to escape? That was a tweet during the week from the History Channel. Tim Kennedy, the MMA god, SF badass. Stick to history. We don't want your take on current events. The whole world actually kind of grabbed them. But the key thing I want to make sure we know when we walk away is Politico. No conservative icon that is. They discovered that Soros funded the Democrat, Doug Jones. George Soros. So make sure we keep that in mind, my friends. George Soros. The money that was spent on that campaign is just like the one in Georgia. It is not Alabamans. It was big, progressive, we want a socialist country people. Kind of like the Koch brothers that you don't hear about. Yeah, you hear about the Koch brothers. They, they didn't support Trump, but whatever. Ari Melber, a Democrat, oh, excuse me, a reporter. More voters preferred the Democrat in Alabama this week, just like more voters preferred the Democrat over Trump last year. My report on why that is true, yet controversial to say. He breaks down, this is a loss for Trump, that Trump never won, and he, once again, is a blue check. Somebody did tweet him back. Got to give you guys credit for going public with the fact that he has no idea he lives in a constitutional republic. (laughs) Yeah. So then there was net neutrality. Alyssa Milano again, FCC net neutrality vote is happening right now, and you can watch them destroy the Internet live with me. Before we go into the response, and most of it I'm going to do is funny responses, uh, we're changing rules back to 2015. Before 2015, you could all get your Internet porn. You could go troll on Twitter and tell conservatives and Christians and conservative women and anybody you don't agree with that you're a fucking ist of some sort that liberal. So I don't know why you're freaking out. But you lost your goddamn minds. Just lost your goddamn minds. In this article, see what happens? Once the government started regulating the Internet, they took away spell check. Because even Melissa Milano couldn't even spell it right. NARAL... 
made it about abortion. There is no reproductive freedom without net neutrality. The FCC just voted to repeal the net neutrality. Here's what that means. Internet providers could control what we see and do online. It could all allow anti-choice groups to pay for outsized influence. Cell phone companies could shut down messages they believe to be controversial. Somebody tweeted them. Dear God, we're going back to the dark ages of 2015. Get to the store, buy all the milk, bread and eggs you can get before Skynet takes control. Which is such a good line. Such a good line. The other one is the one I would have done. This is fear-mongering. How will this devastate the pro-late-term abortion group again? With that logic, this also hurts the pro-life group too. But that's not how they played it. Then the gay side of, what what do they call it? Intersectionality? The repeal of net neutrality is attack on the LGBTQ community. Stripping away net neutrality is the latest attempt by Trump administration to silence the voice of already marginalized communities and render us invisible, said Sarah Kate Ellis, president and CEO of GLAAD. The Internet is a lifeline for LGBTQ people to build community support networks and access LGBTQ resources to history, suicide prevention, and health. Allowing broadband providers to regulate access is a direct and unconscionable attack on freedom of expression. I just grabbed one tweet out of the pile. This tweet is an attack on reasonable thought. That's how they went. But they got it all from Bernie. And the fact is, CNN was basically tweeting Bernie. Republican land FCC ends Obama-era net neutrality regulations. Somebody tweeted, hey, CNN, absurd headlines like this are why people don't trust you. Brian Seltz, CNN's basically just reposting Bernie at this point. Storm Pagina. Bahahaha, yes. I'm going to need to get some new containers for my liberal tier connect collection. Got to stock up for the winter. And CNN just gave over their Twitter feed to Bernie talking points. All of it. So in this, left started uh, a hashtag on net neutrality. So the right decided to do theirs. And this is really where I'll take this conversation. Because I, I truly believe this whole talk, this whole thing is just Trump. It... it if I remember correctly, people didn't want this. Liberals, some liberal groups, literally spoke out against Obama doing this. But now that Trump's overturning it, you know, he's a racist because it was a black president. So everything he does is perfect. Um, and they just hate Trump. So the right did hashtag prepping for net neutrality. And these are some classic tweets. I put it in the tweet of the day, but it's up front, so I can't. Howard Rourke laughed under the hashtag. I won't say it. It's hashtag prepping for net neutrality Armageddon. So if you want to go look it up, look for hashtag prepping for net neutrality Armageddon. One long, absurd word. I just bought a bunch of stamps before they run out on, there's a run on them. Letters will be the only way to communicate soon. Political sock. With our leftover canned goods, we can create our own internet. And they show the can with string technique. Just a Russian hack. I finally listened to Ron Paul and have freeze-dried a 20-year supply of lasagna. (laughs) Richard Vincent. Me, Alexa, find me an escape route. Alexa, nothing. Me, Alexa, I need a way out. Alexa, nothing. Me, Alexa, help me. 
Alexa, stop it. I'm being deluged by Weinstein selfies. You're on your own from here on out. It's a plot. I thought that was pretty funny. Other person went with saying goodbye to Alexa for the last time. I Another one, I'm not hoarding like likes and RTs because they're going to cost money in the future. <laughs> Artist Angie, the sensi of sarcasm, goes by at artist underscore Angie. Taking screenshots and printing out the hashtag of followers I used to have on Twitter before it cost us literally a million dollars to tweet. And it goes on. It, 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 this it, I have hundreds. I'm not going to read them. Uh, the last one I will say is that better go buy out the Wi-Fi in Walmart because you won't have Wi-Fi anymore. And that that's pretty fucking good. The last thing we'll cover before we close the loop is the pipe bomb. Yes, there was another terrorist attack in the United States of America that wasn't called it a terrorist attack. And if you call it a terrorist attack, you're Islamophobic and yada yada, same old drill. But Brian Seltzer, a day after a Las Vegas attack, press secretary said it was not time for a policy discussion. It was time to unite as a country. He brought that out because they were talking about immigration again. And this is what Brian Seltzer of Unreliable Sources does. And somebody clued him in two different things, but run with it. Ministry of Twitter Good Thinker. Many died in intent and weaponry unknown. No one died intent and agenda known. This is what you call journalism, and you wonder why people believe there is fake news at fake news CNN. They ran with it. It kept going. People just, just destroyed them. Then... The best article on this was from the New York Post. Family of suspected Port Authority bomber. We are heartbroken by the violence. We're also outraged by the behavior of law enforcement officials. We're also outraged by the behavior of law enforcement officials who held children as small as four-year-olds out of the, in the cold and pulled a teenager out of his high school class to interrogate him without a lawyer, without his parents. It was not immediately clear the four-year-old or teenager were related to the suspect. The family continued to criticize the way the investigation was handled, even though the suspect, Akayan Ula, allegedly launched a failed terror attack in a crowded city subway. These are not the sort of actions we expect from our justice system. We have been very confident that our justice system will find the truth behind this attack, and there will be the end we will be able to learn what occurred today. So the New York... Police Department, Sergeant's Benevolent Association takes it from here because CARE was running with us all week because CARE is nothing but a front for terrorism. Going to be drinking a lot today. Sorry, folks. My throat is chewed up. Their tweet, family of Port Authority bombing suspect is outraged at investigators' tactics. Outraged? Let me get this correct. Your son walks in a public place wearing a bomb and you're outraged at the behavior of the police. Too bad. Get over it. For those that may not be aware, CARE is the mouthpiece for the American Muslim Brotherhood. It is a radical organization that will defend Muslim rights and promote militant Islam. Many of its top officials have been arrested for terrorism. Thank you for standing with America against the Islamo-fascists trying to take over our country. Good for you, Belevenant Association. Can't even say your name right. Buck Sexton did another thing. Saw your son tried to blow up lots of, a lot of you on your way to work today, but the cops are kind of rude to us. After that, we want answers. And I just 
It doesn't... This is 2017. The media ran more with them being treated poorly than they did of the motherfucker to try to kill people because of Trump. So, yeah. Good job. Good job. Let's close the loop. But let's be clear about the Democrats for a minute. They got this Franken thing right. Nancy Pelosi got it very wrong on Conyers on Meet the Press the other day. They've gotten it very wrong for years trying to wrestle with Bill Clinton's legacy. So let's not pretend like the Democrats have, you know, they got it right on one day and all of a sudden they own the moral high ground here. They still have their own issues to yeah, reckon they're with. they're learning their lesson but, from Clinton. I mean, yeah, but they don't want to make I, the same I, mistake. I, I want to address sure. that. So they got, they, got, they, got it right on, they got it right on one senator, but, but they've gotten it wrong on Bill Clinton forever. But you know what, Bill Clinton... What, what is Bill Clinton even doing right now? Why are we even talking about Bill Clinton? I mean, it's really, it's getting so it's old. I'm so tired of it. I mean, it's it just boogie. has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And they you're actually, tired of it because actually, it makes my point. No, it actually it doesn't make the point. The point is like what <laughs> T- Donald Trump is president right now. Roy Moore is running right now. Al Franken is right now and Conyers is right now. And yes, Nancy Pelosi screwed up, but Conyers is leaving and Franken is leaving. So, so the Democrats actually do get credit for doing this. And it was a difficult sure, decision. They, they Scott, the- let me finish. It was a difficult decision for them. This was not easy. This is somebody who is beloved by Democrats. He's an icon. He's a friend to these senators. They decided they believed the women in there and they, and they came out and said that he needed to resign. They could pay a price for it and they still did the right thing. No, I think it's a genuine reflection of the values and morals of these senators on the Democratic ticket on the Democratic side who have called for his resignation. I just think that there's a moral difference between squeezing the side of someone's body and, and molesting Forcibly kissing, grabbing a woman who's with her boss, the boss leaves the room and grabs her. I mean, come on. Like, are we really saying this isn't a big deal? Does he have to be a rapist? Does he have to be an accused rapist? Of course rapist? not. Does he have to be, I mean, I don't understand. Does he have to be masturbating in front of people? Is this now our standard? Remember, the Democratic Party is the party of women. And so even to have Al Franken kind of point to Republicans, like, why won't you just hold me to the low, low standard that Donald Trump gets held to? Well, guess what? The Republicans have a really low standard. And the Democrats are ahead of the Republicans on this, and they need to be pulling them with them, not going down to their level. And the response has been white rage. The response has been when African Americans achieve, when African Americans succeed, when African Americans refuse to accept their subjugation, a range of policies come forth Mm -hmm. to undermine and undercut that advancement. I track it from uh, the end of the Civil War all the way through the election of Barack Obama. And the source of their anger, the source of their angst or rage is what? Black achievement. Yeah. And and black refusal to accept a subordinate place in American society. Yeah. Uh, African Americans demanding their citizenship rights. And and that quest for full citizenship and then achieving that creates this incredible response coming out of the courts, coming out of the White House, coming out of Congress, coming out of school boards. 
to find ways to, in fact, undermine and undercut that, to move African Americans back in their place. And I think the way that white folks think about this has been for many, many years, this sort of colorblind racism, as Benia mm-hmm. Silva calls it, and others, where the idea is, let's just treat everyone, and you'll hear nice white liberal people say, mm-hmm. I treat everyone the same, you know, and, and so that's equality. Exactly. I treat everyone equally. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very, I guess, very nice in the eyes of some. They believe that that makes them very progressive and open-minded. Mm-hmm. But if I treat people who are facing unequal and differential experiences the same, then by definition, I do an injustice mm-hmm. to those who need more. So if we say we're going to fund all the schools with exactly the same money, but some folks also got their parents kicking in and they can have the big PTA where they got a lot of rich folks that can put more money in, then that then equality won't suffice. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're the dominant group, there's a real incentive to say, oh, let's just treat everyone equally because at some level we know if I've already got the head start, I mean, if I'm two laps up on you in a five-lap race mm-hmm. and then you say we're all going to run by the same rules, but mm-hmm. folks are two laps back, then equality will end with a two-lap head start mm-hmm. and, and me crossing the tape first. Equity is something we haven't really ever embraced because we're so wrapped up in that sense of being colorblind, not noticing, not talking about this stuff as a way to really preserve the head start that we have but don't want to acknowledge. You now have states who are in deficit using millions of dollars for voter ID in order to begin to make sure that their black and brown populations cannot vote. And we need to be willing to call what they're doing white nationalism because, see, it isn't just white rage or white anxiety. We, we use the term white nationalist to refer to Nazis. Mm-hmm. So we call David Duke a white nationalist because he is. He's a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi, whatever terminology we prefer. But we don't want to call these very mainstream erudite folks at the Heritage Foundation, we don't want to call these folks in the Trump administration white nationalists because that conjures images of skinheads. But if I am trying to suppress the vote of black and brown peoples to limit their access to the franchise, to limit their ability to participate in democracy in this nation mm-hmm. so as to maintain a white majority not just numerically, but in terms of power. What is that if not white nationalism? So yeah. we've got to understand white supremacy, white nationalism are not problems up here. They're problems out here in the world of policy. And Yeah, more sexual harassment. And the ending there was a long, long screen. I know it was a long uh, soundbite, but I wanted to play it for effect because that is Tavis Smiley. Tavis. And he has been fired for sexual harassment. So the whole time he's been talking about sexual harassers, how the GOP's a bunch of sexual deviants, that Roy Moore's a fucking pedophile. Yeah, he was jerking off on ferns too. So uh, there you are. Then the head of the Office of Congressional Ethics, overseeing investigations of lawmaker, lawmaker misconduct like Representative Conyer, Nunes, etc., is accused of allegedly assaulting women. women. Assaulting him. Assaulting. Don't know if he's Dem or Republican, but that's kind of bad. Franken still hasn't set a date for resignation. Mario Batali. I love Mario Batali. I have cooked his dishes. Yeah, he's fucked. He he got fired because he is a sexual harasser also. And then Kristen Gillibrand's back in the fray because she decided to get very chatty. When it comes to sexual assault, harassment, and the general mistreatment of women, we must be able to call out anyone, Democrat or Republican. As elected leaders, let's rise to the occasion and not shrink away from it. That is what the larger Me Too movement is about. Let's send a clear message. None of this is okay. Stephen Miller, your idea of a clear message was saying you didn't know if Franken should resign until there was a seventh accuser. <laughs> 
She then said this means Ferent Hold should step aside. Moore should never set foot in the Senate, and Trump should be held accountable. The accusations against Moore are disgusting, and the President Trump has admitted on tape to how he treats women. His campaign for Moore isn't leadership. It's shameful. We are in the moment of reckoning, and the silence from Republicans is deafening. It is long past time for them to join Democrats in holding members of their own party accountable. Somebody summed up my sentiments and all conservatives. You have no credibility on this. This picture's are with Bill Clinton. You only have credibility when there's an R behind the name. And there's 33 now Democrats, two Republicans. And a third maybe, because uh, I don't know who this accountability guy is. So it is a 10 to 1, fa- 11 to 1 favor Democrats for sexual assault. I mean, another movie star this week, 15-year-old girl. Dustin Hoffman. It, it It's a damn problem. But they're still trying to spin this, and the media lets them. So they can get away with it, whereas, you know, Republicans can't. Republicans never get that. Then we had Chip with Jimmy Kimmel getting involved, thanks to Glenn Kessler, Washington Post, for fact-checking Jimmy Kimmel's monologue on Chip that so many others shared uncritically. Kimmel has been shown to have received talking points from Chuck Schumer, so maybe WAPO should direct this truth bomb to New York Senator. Again, Kimmel's frame of reference is off. Chip funding is being negotiated even as Congress is debating a tax plan. Both the House and Senate have signaled to support reauthorization of Chip. The impasses over funding has led to some uncertainty in the handful of states, but there is no immediate crisis. And the recent stopgap funding bill provides flexibility to keep Chip programs running in states. The bottom line: Chip is completely unrelated to tax legislation. In fact, it won't be able. Excuse me, it won't be and was never going to be part of the tax bill. Congress is able to work on several issues at once, and most of the outstanding issues get wrapped up just before important holidays. However, nobody's going to hold their breath waiting for Jimmy Kimmel to give a correction. Stephen Miller, hey, yeah, Twitter moments, please blast this one out while you're at it. Somebody else. When even the Washington Post isn't bullying your bullshit, you know it's bad. You, Jimmy Kimmel, are a propagandist and mostly full of shit. Hopefully the rest of the world takes notice. Another, don't get your political news from unfunny late night hosts. Kimmel is an idiot and a liar. That was an internet, a Twitter moment. Him calling out Chip. He was lying because Schumer's lying. So how does Jimmy Kimmel act during all this where he's just fucking lying and he's a mouthpiece for the DNC and somehow it's cool for millennials to watch a show with the guy who works for Chuck Schumer? Not a free thinker? Search all you want. You'll never find it. Paul Ryan searches for his future. And I think this tweet kind of sums up what I think of Jimmy Kimmel. I'll just point, I never had a problem with Jimmy Kimmel. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was a great guy. When you start working for the Democrats, you got a problem. And when you use your kid as a prop, you you got a problem. And this Twitter user sums it up. A guy who used his kid as a political prop on national TV to spread lies to his audience probably shouldn't be lecturing others about finding their soul. Another says the dude who risked his seven-month-old kid one-week post-op to push a false political narrative. Jimmy Kimmel is nothing but a tool. And if you watch your show, 
or watch his show. You're on crack. I don't know where it became cool to support people that work for politicians in Hollywood. I don't know when that happened. So that makes us go to Russia, Russia, Russia. And let me start it with Chuck Toad. Horrible 48 hours for the president with this investigation, but he was handed one um, a helpful PR moment here. Let me throw up these headlines. An FBI agent was just removed from Bob Mueller's team for anti-Trump tax. Now, when you read the details of this, Danielle, I, I have to say part of me thought, wait a minute, are we bordering into thought police territory, number one, but we can set that aside here. But it does hand, give the president a PR tool here and is to at least throw to his supporters saying, aha, bias in the Mueller program. Right, and he just tweeted about it this morning. Shocking. With, uh, I know, yeah, it was shocking, shocked. shocking to see. Maybe his lawyer tweeted that, too. president but, is a genius at taking something like this and blowing it up to titanic size. Yeah. We're going to hear so much about this now. Yeah, Hillary it, it'll yeah. eclipse the investigation for a while, at least on the conservative side and of the media. And it's always designed to really uh, undermine the value, the truth value right. of the press, the truth value of the investigation to, to lead doubt once the conclusions are drawn. Yes, that's from our last podcast. That was Chuck Toad saying it's thought police. After this initial tidbit, Fusion GPS paid top DOJ official's wife to dig up dirt on Trump. Boom. And the exclaimer that we found out that the FBI paid for the dossier. Now, his frame of reference is FBI agents caught doing things that are not proper via, you know, text to each other that become public is thought police. The problem is, John Gibson, being that he's Gibby's son, oh, they're public now. So I want to frame that with Chuck Toad saying it's thought police, and I want you to put yourself into 2012. There's an investigation into Obama, the dear leader, and you find FBI agents tweeting the following. Mark Meadows, these comments coming from two FBI agents, Peter Zork and Lisa Page, who were supposed to be performing an independent investigation of the president. Wow. Scott Russerholtz, it's about to get real. Here it goes. Uh, another agent named Lisa Page has already entered her assignment to Muno's office, according to Politico, and then, and had been communicating with Zork, Zark, I don't want to say his fucking name, STZ, S-T-R-Z, okay. During the election season, those texts have been obtained at Fox News. Shannon Beam and others shared them. Later in a text from August 15th, Zork tells Page, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, an apparent reference to FBI Director Andrew McCabe, that there's no way he gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. Page does not appear have responded according to records reviewed by CNN. Shannon Beam, Bream, a more likely source that I would follow than CNN, our Fox News producer, Jake Gibson, has obtained 10K texts from Zork and Page. Zork Page texts obtained by Jake Gibson. P.S. God, God, Hillary should win a hundred and million to zero. I know. Next one. Uh, Zork Page texts. Okay, I'm not going to read that. It's from Jake Gibson. Trump. LP, he's awful. P.S. America will get what the voting public deserves. LP, that's what I'm afraid of. LP, which is going to, I guess, stands for Lisa Page and the Zork dude. I cannot believe Donald Trump is likely to be an actual serious candidate for president. LP, and maybe you're meant to say 
where you are because you're meant to protect the country from that menace. Links to a New York Times article. P.S. I can't protect our country. I can protect our country at many levels. Not sure if that helps. P.S. Are you kidding me? Duck Dynasty, now Scott Bayo, Ridiculous. L.P. Wait, is that who's speaking at the convention? L.P. Charles in charge? That's the best they can do? Laugh my fucking ass off. P.S. It's pathetic. L.T. That's unbelievable. My God, thank God it's on. L.P. God is just a two-bit organization. I do so hope it's a disorganization comes to bite him hard in November. P.S. It has to, right? Right? Panicked. LP, God, it's just a two-bit organization. Okay, that's a double they put in there. LP, Jesus, you should read this, and Trump should go fuck himself. Moment in convention glare shakes up Khan's American life. P.S. God, that's a great article. Thanks for sharing, and fuck Trump. P.S. Just went to Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell the Trump support. Let me read that again. Just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I could smell... The Trump support. LP, yep, out to lunch with Redacted. We both hate everyone and everything. Lisa Page, God, Trump is loathsome human. Oh, my God, he's an idiot. Peter Zork, he's awful. She then said this. I just saw my first Bernie Sanders bumper sticker. Made me want to key the car, Page wrote. He's an idiot like Trump. Figure they cancel each other out, Zork replied. Yeah. So Yasi Jester, what is the date of the text exchange between Peter Zork and L. Page where Zork incriminates himself saying what he will do when needed to be done to protect the country from Trump rather than following the rules of law? Yeah. So Political did report, they did remove one of them just because he got caught. But this is a glaring example of the partisanship in the federal government under the Obama administration. This is why Hillary wasn't charged for her toilet server. This is why Comey and company made the decision not to charge her before they even studied anything. And here is Trey... Gowdy, saying what we'd all like to say. A lot of issues that I would like to ask you about, Mr. Deputy Attorney General. We had a terrorist incident in New York uh, this week. We have 702 reauthorization that is pending in Congress. Uh, Gun violence, the opioid epidemic, criminal justice reform. Uh, Go home to South Carolina this weekend. Trust me when I tell you, no one is going to ask me about any of those issues. They're going to ask me, what in the hell is going on with the Department of Justice and the FBI? The reason we have special counsel, this is a very important point, and you know it. The reason we have special counsel is because of a conflict of interest. The regulation itself specifically makes reference to a conflict of interest. And, And we don't like conflicts of interest because it undercuts people's confidence in both the process and the result. So, so let's be really clear why we have special counsel. There was a real or perceived conflict of interest that we were fearful would either impact the result or people's confidence in the process. That's why we have something called special counsel, and that's why we have special counsel pattern. And then lo and behold, 
uh, those who are supposed to make sure there um, are no conflicts of interest seem to have a few of their own. Uh, there's a senior prosecutor who sent obsequious emails to a fact witness. I, she can be described as nothing other than a fact witness. She's a really important fact witness if you pursue the line of inquiry that my Democrat friends want to pursue. They got off of collusion, and now they're on obstruction of justice. She may be the most important fact witness in an obstruction of justice case. And the senior prosecutor for the conflict of interest-free special counsel sent a fawning, obsequious email to a fact witness. And then we have prosecutors assigned to conduct this investigation who donated almost exclusively to one it over another. And then we have a prosecutor assigned to this conflict of interest-free team that attended what was supposed to be, what he'd hoped to be, a victory party for Secretary Clinton. And we have a senior DOJ official, Mr. Deputy Attorney General, with an office that used to be two doors down from yours, meeting with Fusion GPS. And Fusion GPS, of course, was paying for Russian dirt on the very person that they're supposed to be objectively investigating. And then named senior DOJ official's wife, the one that met with Fusion GPS, his wife was on the payroll of Fusion GPS. We have a senior agent assigned to investigate Secretary Clinton's email, help draft the exoneration letter, where we changed from grossly negligent to extremely careless, interviewed Secretary Clinton in an interview I've never seen, and I doubt you have either in your career as a prosecutor, Interviewed Michael Flynn, who was actively involved in the investigation into the Trump campaign before the inspector general found his text. So this agent in the middle of almost everything, to Secretary Clinton and President Trump, sent pro-Clinton texts, anti-Trump texts to his paramour, response to being told maybe he is where he is to protect the country from that menace, Donald Trump. He said, I can protect our country at many levels. And then he said Hillary Clinton should win $100 million to nothing. Now, think about that, Mr. Deputy Attorney General. That's a pretty overwhelming victory, $100 million to zero. And when I read that last night, what I thought was this conflict of interest free Senior agent of the FBI can't think of a single solitary American who would vote for Donald Trump. That's where the zero comes in. Not a single solitary American he can imagine would vote for Trump. This is the conflict of interest free special agent assigned. And then he went on, if that weren't enough, to belittle Trump supporters. He could smell them at a wart in Virginia. This is the person we needed to avoid a conflict of interest. And then he said this, they fully go and demonstrate the absolute bigoted nonsense of Trump. But he wasn't content to just disparage Donald Trump. He disparaged Donald Trump's family. This is what he said, Mr. Deputy Attorney General. He said the douchebags are about to come out. He's talking about our first lady and children. This conflict of interest-free special agent of the FBI. This is who 
We needed to have an objective, impartial, fair, conflict of interest-free investigation. So he's openly pulling for the candidate he had a role in clearing, and he's openly investigating that he has bias against. And then if that's not enough, he says Trump is an effing idiot. What the F just happened to our country? This is the same man that said he would save our country. What happens when people who are supposed to cure the conflict of interest have even greater conflicts of interest than those they replace? Well, I, I, that, that, that's not a rhetorical question. You nor I nor anyone else would ever sit Peter Strzok on a jury. We wouldn't have him objectively, dispassionately investigate anything knowing what now. Why didn't we know it ahead of time? And, and, and my last question, my final question to you, and I appreciate the chairman's patience. How would you help me answer that question when I go back to the Senate this weekend? So you would think the media would cover this because this is pretty bad. I mean, this is kind of bad like the IRS. Oh, wait a minute. IRS didn't cover that either. Yeah, they didn't cover this. Uh, Elizabeth Harrington, of course, the New York Times makes a story about the Republicans instead of these people on the Mueller investigation that are partisan hacks that still can't find anything. Another tweet she did, and curiously does not include the most damning text about an insurance policy against Trump if he was elected. They didn't even print it. That's why I read it. Didn't even print it. Democrats say, Democrats say, definitely not us at the New York Times. This is what they actually printed. Democrats say the pattern is becoming clear as Mr. Mueller moves closer to Mr. Trump's inner circle. Republicans are trying to discredit federal law enforcement and undercut the eventual findings of special counsel. The Republican effort may also be intended to blunt the political repercussions should Mr. Mueller be fired. Democrats say. Other people caught. Republicans pounce. Democrats say. Absolute clown show. Natasha Bertan, just in statement of DOG official, we have provided information to reporters that we give the Congressional Committee to avoid any confusion. Me, even amid an ongoing OIG investigation. So when they didn't go the route of Democrats saying, and this is all a ruse, they're saying that they shouldn't release the stuff, but Mike Levine covered it. Dep- Deputy Attorney General says reporters last night were shown anti-Trump text messages between FBI colleagues. Some are trying to paint this extraordinary or extremely unusual move just for record. The Obama DOJ did it too. I know, because I was there. Obama DOJ also invited reporters DOJ to show them documents being sent to Congress. Narrative busted. So that's the two angles that the media went with. They didn't cover the fact the guy threatened to kill the president we're total Bernie haters, Trump haters, and we're totally shills for Hill. And they're on the investigation. They're part of the investigation. And after 18 months, they still can't find anything. So if that doesn't send a huge signal to American public that this is just a shit show to discredit the president, who I'm not even a supporter of, but it's obvious this makes the Clinton-Lewinsky thing minor. They are digging for something because everybody who's on this probe are Hillary supporters. Democrats. So they don't release, he's going to kill the president. They don't release, they're total hacks. They release, it's Republicans obfuscating, and the DOJ shouldn't have given the information out. 
Why is it whenever Democrats do something wrong, the media says that never should have been handed out? But when it's a Republican and all sorts of top secret shit gets handed out all over the place, we're good to go. Oh, I know. It's the same reason why they say Hillary didn't break any rules for releasing sensitive material when she was holding it on a toilet server. Fucking hypocrisy. Next, close the loop. Here's some more fake news. David, what's your advice for journalists in this situation and for readers? I have more advice for readers. Um, the mis- you asked the question, Brian, why should, given these mistakes, why should people trust the media? And I would say the me- mistakes are precisely the reason that people should trust the media. Look, huh. astron- astronomers make mistakes all the time because science is a process of discovery of truth. Astrologers never make mistakes, or at least they never own up to them, because what they're offering is a closed system of ideology and propaganda. Um, the, faced with wrongdoing circled by lies, the process of piercing the lies to uncover the truth about the wrongdoing is inherently not only difficult but adversarial, because you're, the people who are trying to find the truth are operating against bad faith actors engaged in concealment. So they get partial pieces of the truth. In the process, there are going to be overshoots and undershoots. That um, Bloomberg Reuters story you mentioned about Deutsche Bank. Um, Donald Trump has a Donald Trump holds most of his debt through Trump-related entities, not personally. Um, So we don't know exactly what Deutsche Bank was subpoenaed to release, but it is not exactly wrong to say that when you get a Trump-related entity, you're getting something about Trump. Nonetheless, error of emphasis. But it's Mm -hmm. the process of bringing truth to light. Meanwhile, from the president and his supporters, you hear a system of of lies. So they're not well-placed to complain uh, because the the mistakes occur in the process of exposing the lies that the liars then complain about the mistakes (laughs) that are investigating them. You're saying that journalists are held to a high standard appropriately, but that the president and his allies are having a low standard. I'm saying something a little bit different. I'm saying, look, journalism is a process. The way you discover the truth as a consumer of news is not by reading any one story and thinking, aha, here's the truth. Um, you have to be engaged in it. You have to be an active consumer. Because um, it, it, this is, uh, unlike law enforcement, which investigates and produces conclusions at the end, journalists re- show their work as they go. They approximate the truth. They reach it. And in this case, they are reaching it not just because the truth is inherently difficult, but because they are confronting g- bad faith actors engaged actively in concealment in order to deprive the public of important knowledge of wrongdoing, financial, and... All this as the president ratchets up his war on the news media, calling it a stain on America, after several news organizations issued corrections to recent reports on the president. Mr. Trump tweeting that a Washington Post reporter should be fired even after that reporter apologized and corrected an inaccurate tweet about the crowd size at the president's weekend rally in Florida. Critics pouncing, accusing President Trump of being a hypocrite, noting his long record of making false and misleading claims without apologizing or correcting himself. More than 1,600 since taking office, according to a Washington Post study. And the beat goes on on the fake news. We still have reports over and over. They're saying the dangerous aspect. But here is actually John Harwood, who's basically been removed off everything because he's such a fucking hack. No, we in journalism are not the ones to whom the truth means nothing. It means everything, seeing the world as it is and telling the truth about it. So citizens of our democracy can understand is our reason for being, and no one will stop us from doing it. Somebody tweets, this is a demonstrably false tweet. 
haven't been following the reckless disregard for truth driving retractions lately? Dude, you lose. Many of us saw you for what you are long ago. Trump is just the first president to call you on it. Sucks, doesn't it? You pretty much talk to yourself because you've moved on. Only reason you'll be watched soon is on our, so your lies can be pointed out. That would be a great tweet if your ass clowns hadn't spent the entire Obama administration fawning over his pants creases and Michelle expensive dresses and biceps. Yeah. So how does... The rest of the media covered. Here's how WAPO did. CNN botched story on Trump Jr. claims without evidence. Reporters got played. Claims without evidence. Don Budingo. The Washington Post is really an incredible collection of imbeciles. CNN launchers or launches another fake news bombshell, and the buffoon at the WAPO trying to blame Donald Trump Jr. This is really a special kind of stupid. Stephanie Molyneux. Apparently, Donald Trump Jr. is somehow in the wrong for being slandered by CNN with a completely false story. I'm getting dizzy from all this fake news spinning and somebody else. Without evidence, the story was fake. Keep defending it and you dig yourself a deeper grave. So let's go down to seven times CNN has botched news in 2017. Great article. I'm going to read the heading and just list the incidents because we've already covered it. CNN is in a rough 2017. It's not even over yet. The news network has repeatedly made key errors when breaking big stories only get embarrassed when the facts come to light. Here are seven times CNN botched news in 2017. Comey testimony. CNN smears Saramucci for no reason. CNN spreaks fake news about fake news. CNN was one of the several established media outlets to spread fake news about a new study on Russian influence on the efforts of the United States. CNN cited a study from the Oxford Internet Institute to show the fake news targeted sweet states during election week, but the study didn't show that. The study focused on junk news, not fake news, and then deliberately included conservative outlets like the Washington Examiner and Breitbart News in their definition of fake news. CNN and, and other outlets included none of those facts for trying to misleading public to the future. Mm-hmm. Republican donor did not, did fund the dossier, but they didn't. That was totally fake. The fish news we covered on the show. Trump is, is ignorant of Japanese cars. He wasn't. CNN botches the other bombshell about Mr. Frickin' Trump Jr. And then just this week, Anderson Cooper posts the wrong photo for Trump press aide Raj Shah on the air. And they don't even attract it. Oh, no, they did. Friday, he finally retracted. Finally. Then, Anderson Cooper's Twitter account put out Trump, a pathetic loser. Now, I'm not going to read this article. I'm just going to break it down. This is literally, literally how they try to define it. Geolocation tools confirmed the tweet in question was not sent from Anderson Cooper's phone. Anderson was in Washington, and we have proof the tweet was sent from New York from a phone belonging to his assistant. His assistant inadvertently left his phone unlocked and unattended at the gym early this morning, and someone took his phone and sent the tweet. His assistant, who has worked with Anderson for more than a decade, is the only other person to access to Anderson's Twitter account. Then... They twisted it that he did it by accident. Then they came up with a million different fucking definitions, trying to cover it, and basically by the end didn't give a fuck that he sent it. 
because they all think he's a tool, and they all fucking hate Trump. Kyle Smith, so Anderson Cooper's assistant, suffered the following calamity. Someone at the gym broke into his or her phone, figured out his or her password, logged in to Cooper's Twitter, tweeted a single tweet from Cooper's account, then replaced the phone and the locker and closed it back up. Kyle Smith, does Cooper buy that story? Or is that the cover, is that the covered agreed upon so he doesn't have to fire his assistant? Or his assistant opened Twitter at the gym, saw Trump's tweet, replied to it, not realizing he, she was logged into Cooper's account, rather than this is his own account. Yeah, probably forgot to switch accounts. That definitely sounds more plausible than the lie they're trying to do. Charles W. Cook, not to sound like Alex Jones, but why would someone temporarily steal a phone owned by Anderson Cooper's assistant who was in a gym in a different city than Anderson Cooper? And how would that person know it was logged into that Twitter account? Sean Davis. That said, I cannot wait to watch the hour-long CNN special investigation track down the real Twitter, the real tweeter. It's a stone cold who done it. Given how CNN treated a tweet screw up from a Ted Cruz staffer and how it tracked down a rando gift maker, I'm not sure they'll get right on this case. So let's just make sure we understand this. They tracked down a dude, did a gif of a WWF slam made by Trump of the CNN logo and doxed him. But they won't dox a guy who called the President of the United States a tool. Understand once again, if anybody called Barack Hussein Obama a tool, it would have been all day coverage. They yet have covered this. A major anchor on their show disparages the President of the United States, and it's okay on CNN, because it's about an apple, not a banana. To make matters worse, Sean Davis tweets this, Anderson Cooper's assistant is well known in media circles, and yet no one in the media is mentioning his name or asking him about his mysterious Jim Hacker. Isn't that weird? Quite the mystery. Past stories. Does Anderson Cooper hate Britney Spears? Uh, as an assistant to a high-powered individual, the number one rule is keeping all your bosses secret. Well, uh, secret. And Bravo TV did an interview with him. So they know who this guy is. Couple it with how they treated Ted Cruz over his porn tweet. This is huge hypocrisy. Huge. These are actual questions that Dana Bash asked Ted Cruz over the porn tweet. Let's talk about the tweet. What happened? Have you identified the staffer? Do you know who it is? Is the staffer being punished? So the staffer, can you tell me the staffer's name? You understand it's hard to believe that a random staffer accidentally did that on Twitter. But you understand this is a story, obviously, because it's sensational, but also because it flies in the face of a lot of things that you espouse and you believe in. So let's put that to Anderson Cooper. Let's talk about the tweet. Have you identified the staffer? Do you know who he is? Is the staffer being punished? No. So the staffer, can you tell me his name, even though all the media know it? No. You understand it's hard to believe that a random staffer accidentally said the president is a tool. But you understand, it's a story, obviously because it's sensational, but also because it flies in the face of a lot of things that CNN says about apples and fucking bananas. 
you fucking hacks. And once again, people near the store show, I don't give a fuck about Trump. I don't like Trump. It's just the fact that this is such bullshit. It was such bullshit that Glenn Greenwald did a huge article. I ask you to go read it on task of purpose. It covers the entire bullshit. All the lies, CNN, MSDNC, CBS, for a fucking entire year. Just just a list. Uh, Russian hacked the U.S. electric grid. Lie. Anonymous group, prop or not, documented how major U.S. political sites are Kremlin agents. Not. WikiLeaks is long documentation of Putin. Not. Secret service between Trump and Russian bank. Not. RT hacked C-SPAN. Not. Russian hacked in Ukrainian artillery app. Not. Russian attempted to hack elections in 21 states. Not. Links have been found between Trump allies Anthony Scarmucci and Russian investment fund. Not. None of them. Not just Russia. Another one. Breaking. Russian hackers penetrated U.S. electricity grid through a utility in Vermont. Not. Russian government hackers do not appear to have targeted Vermont. Same paper, retracted next day. On his article, update. Hours after this article was published on Saturday, a full day and a half after his original tweet promoting the false CNN story with boom and a cannon, Benjamin Whitney White, excuse me, Benjamin Wittes, W-I-T-T-E-S, following around denoting that CNN story hyped has serious problems, they say that acknowledgement received fractions of retweets from his followers whose original tweet hyped the story, uh, tracked Because we've already proven over and over and over and over. Folks, they do it on purpose. Because the American people on the left are no different than the American people on the right. People that hated Obama believed he wasn't born in America and he was a, a, a Muslim fucking, a Muslim infiltrator, fucking Manchurian candidate that was going to ruin America and turn us all into Islamists. They believed that shit. That's how Alex Jones became Alex Jones. But the left's no different. And Alyssa Milano's crying over one Democratic dude beating a accused pedophile by 1%. Don't you think she just sucks this shit up with a vacuum? They want this shit. So they hear anything negative. They blast it all over the place. They believe it is truth. The retraction gets a tenth and less. And we prove it. 1% of the retweets of the original tweet. 10,000 to 27. We just did it last show. They're doing it on purpose. Because the more they do this, the more they damage the Republican brand because they hate Republicans. They're all Democrats. They want universal health care. They want everybody to be gay. They want the next president to be a Latino, African-American, little person, transgender, gay person. Something like that. I don't know. A mix of everything that their wet dream could come up with. MRC did our article, liberal media goal, always the agenda, the agenda, the agenda. Here are just some stuff about more. 
Washington Post, Trump McConnell calling more to exit Alabama race if the allegations are true. Washington Post and Washington Republican dam is breaking against Moore. Washington Post, Roy Moore is unfit for office, Maryland Republican governor said. Washington Post, Senate Republicans repudiate Roy Moore's candidacy and urge him to leave the race. Washington Post, women say Roy Moore initiated sexual encounters since she was 14. He was 32. Washington Post, Roy Moore, another GOP calamity. One could go on with similar headlines with New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Politico, CNN, MSDNC, and many more. Until after the election, you didn't know that George Soros funded it. Because they never do deep dives on Democrats. It's no different than the last presidential race. All day long, Trump's the devil, Hillary Clinton. Oh, don't worry about that server. It's not that important. Even... Before I went to press with this podcast, Deanne Zina Zaru, April D. Ryan reports to Omarosa is leaving the White House because General Kelly was tired of all the drama. She was very vulgar. She was cursing. We let her know and tried to go see Trump and his resident, but was escorted out by Secret Service. This is April Ryan, the pecan lady. <clears throat> that we've proven is an outright fucking racist piece of shit. Hates white people. And is a liberal shell. Who refuted her charges? Fox News. No. Daily Caller. Breitbart. Nope. U.S. Secret Service. Secret Service was not involved in the termination process of Miss Manuelalt Newman or the escort off the complex. Our only involvement in this matter was to deactivate the individual's past with grant access to the complex. Ben Jacobs, this is peak 2017. That was on every network. Every network. He was escorted out by the Secret Service. Everybody's an ass clown in Trump administration. So we started with Chuck Toad. We'll end with Chuck Toad. These are some tweets this week. You know, if you disparage someone or an institution constantly for a year and then are surprised when members of the paid institution lash out, is that the fall of the attacker or the attacked? Point is, there are some standards that are unrealistic for any actual human. Yeah, no, wow, what a human way to engage people on Twitter. Basically what he's saying is that it's not fair for Trump to pick on the media for the way they target him because it's a fault they target him in the first place. And they eventually, any amount of being called out and said behavior is bound to make the media act like a bunch of spoiled toddlers. Somebody tweeted Toad, because not many people can tweet Toad. He blocks everyone, because he's a little guy. He's sensitive. Your institution has been lashing out since 2015. 2015. Yeah. Non-stop. Non-fucking-stop. Let's go to global warming. Nat Geo, all the fucking wizard global warming alarmist freaks that are out there on the planet... We stood there crying, feeling the tears rolling down our eyes of this starving polar bear. And actual science said, yeah, no. And a big, huge, 10-tweet tirade that none of that is true. The, this animal will fall way outside the 95% CI for body conditions sample from any of these MUs. Shouldn't be ignored, of course, but shouldn't be treated as representative either. It's all false. It's all false. Just, just false. It's not true. Not true at all. So we close, close the loop as we like to with some Christmas stuff. And 
this little interaction happened this week, and this is how petty the blue check Democratic National Committee workers that is our media are with anybody on Trump. Civil rights leader John Lewis said they would not be attending because of President Trump's presence. In a statement, they wrote, quote, President Trump's attendance and his hurtful policies are an insult to the people portrayed in this civil rights museum, unquote. Now, I know you're the U.N. ambassador, but you before that, uh, you were also a South Carolina governor, and you were there during an important moment for the country and for South Carolina when it came to racial, racial healing and rec- reconciliation. Do you think President Trump should do more beyond simply attending a museum opening to show that he actually stands for and, and believes in the values of the civil rights movement? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, The idea of race is a very sensitive one. And racial issues are extremely, um, we have to be very careful with racial issues because they're personal. Um, What I do believe is we all have to continue to work to improve race relations. That's something that we all want as Americans. I think the president made a first step um, really trying to go out there to recognize the civil rights that people fought for to look at this museum and to try and really reach out. I wish they would have joined him in that, but that's something that we just have to continue to do. We have to continue to bring both sides together and say, how are we going to heal? How are we going to move forward? Madam Ambassador, thank you so much for joining us. If I don't see you, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Jake. Thank you. So CNN and the world ran this. Trump U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley wishes Jewish host Jake Tapper a Merry Christmas. The Reagan Battalion, who hates Trump. It's a very stupid attack. Jake Tapper wished her a Merry Christmas as she wished back the same thing. Nikki Haley. Okay, happy Hanukkah, Jake Tapper. Hope you have a great holiday season. Jake Tapper. This is correct. I not only didn't take offense, I took Nikki Haley's Merry Christmas and the spirit was intended, spreading cheer and good wishes I intended to her. And Merry Christmas to you and yours, Ambassador Haley. Best wishes for the Haley's in 2018. That was a thing this week. She said Merry Christmas back to a person who said Merry Christmas who's Jewish. That's how petty the media is. That's how petty. They run with everything. Then this beautiful nugget for Christmas. Mandy Moore, celeb star Christmas show for Planned Parenthood. It's called Ironic. Big name celebrities are prepping to celebrate baby Jesus' birth by fundraising for America's largest producer of abortions. On Saturday, musician Tony Thaxton began advertising a second annual Feliz Navi Pods, Feliz Navidad variety show, benefiting Planned Parenthood. Based on the podcast, Thaxton hosts with Todd Cooper. The show will be held in Los Angeles. Tickets are 15 bucks. Things kind of suck right now, so let's try and make them not suck, the show description read. Let's have a fun night and get into the holiday spirit for a great cause at Felice Navi Pods, Felice Navi Dodd Variety Show, a night of comedy and musical benefiting, Planned Parenthood plus free Christmas treats. According to Planned Parenthood's most recent published annual report, the organization performed 328,348 abortions, 776,000 gone emergency contraception, morning after pills, and received $554.6 million in government health services, grants, and reimbursement for the year 2015-16. to 16. That's a lot of blood money, the article states. Amy Curtis asked the question, remind me again why they need government funding. And I don't know why. These are all over the place. And how do you, how do you celebrate the birth of baby Jesus 
by aborting a baby. See, that's where your money's going. I just ask. But there was a brief moment that I, as a new, I don't want to be anti-religion or be blasphemous, a born-again pro-life person who was pro-choice his whole life until he actually dug into this abortion tragedy and have changed positions on it. The more I cover it, the more I become more pro-life. An actual guest on CNN took it to the Dems with their unhealthy relationship with abortion. And that's going to take us out to a music break. Decided to start putting a music break up here. Get a little break before we go into the tweets of the day, hate tweets, hypocrisy, and stats of the day, which is a very large segment. I'd like you to listen to this. You don't rarely see, you rarely see on CNN anybody be kind of pro-life, but it happened, and it was a person of color. You have someone who gave justice to little girls versus someone who preyed on them. I mean, there is no clearer contrast than what we have tonight. So while we're talking about what may happen to Roy Moore in the United States Senate with all his problems, let's at least give Democrats the benefit tonight of being able to breathe. If we win, we will just have joy on the heels. If we lose, we will have lost with a great horse. But doesn't it concern you as a Democrat, the fact that you can face a candidate with all these (laughs) problems? And you're still not going to win this no, race outright. In, will you be willing to find candidates who are willing to moderate their positions on things like abortion? Because right now the Democratic Party has gotten radical, extreme on this. And it has made it compl- uh, the idea of voting for a Democrat a complete non-starter for all Republicans. That, that, that is why if, they if, vote for someone like Roy Moore. If, if we lose this outright. race, there are a couple of things. We're in the fifth most conservative state in the union. Mm-hmm. We're in Alabama. That's first. And second... I love the high ground that Republicans are taking on the issue of abortion because the most amazing thing is all of a sudden Republicans care about babies when they're in the womb, but they don't care about teenagers Listen, because they I, vote I've for Roy Moore. I've been very vocal against Roy I mean, Moore. What I'm, I'm saying, just saying if, you're, that the if you want to beat candidates really like Roy Moore, right are you willing to give something, something to Republican voters? I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me Please have snow And mistletoe And presents on the tree Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if only. Please 
have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. tweets of the day donald j trump decided to tweet this now before i read it you know i think he's 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 literally swinging low just ignore these fucking people but you know it's his twitter account he's a fucking moron he can't let that shit go but this turned into sexual harassment that's that's how petty the left is lightweight senator Kristen gillibrand a total flunky for chuck schumer as someone who would come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and do anything for him is now in the ring fighting against trump very disloyal to bill and crooked used eric Kobe would do anything for them he's trying to imply she offered him sexual favors this reads like sexual harassment gillibrand calls for him to be disciplined and he implies well exactly what and what do you do for them implies 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 and would do anything for them? Vile language attempting to slut-shame a U.S. senator. And would do anything for them? What does that mean? You, a man accused by more than a dozen credible women... Credible? None of them have been credible, thank you very much. Of assault and harassment has an audacity to make this vile, disgusting implication. Leslie Abravani, a repugnant, rancid pig of a POTUS, wrote this about a female senator who come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and do anything for them. GOP, is this okay? Fox menaced fraud... Ivanka Trump, you busting, busy lighting the menorah. Trump resign now. That was anti-Semitic. Elizabeth Warren, are you really trying to bully and intimidate and slut shame Senator Gillibrand? Do you know who you're picking a fight with? Good luck with that. Rob Eno flips the script. Wait, what? Did you just call a fellow senator a slut? 
Christina Cotterity. Unless Warren is insinuating that Gilbrand really does do what Trump suggests she does and that she shouldn't be ashamed of it, slut shame is really not the right term. God help me for manslating, but isn't she misusing slut shaming? That would imply the behavior described actually happened. And I thought that was funny. So that's why I put it in the tweet today. It was like, uh, everybody's going out to Trump like they always do, just interpreting everything as negative as they possibly can. And then Warren steps in it. But my favorite is Acosti of Acosti the Snowflake. Hashtag CNN Christmas Song is the hashtag we need right now. Hashtag CNN Christmas Song is the hashtag we need right now. Here are some of the funnier ones we've seen so far. This took over the internet, and I cherry-picked some good one. Bill, just Bill, W.L. Fanning, at W.L. Fanning. Went with Acosti the Snowflake. Heather Campion, a champion, at winning at my life. 12 days of corrections. <laughs> Shroyden Fraudlish at Agiri Can. Seltzer the Brown Nose Reindeer. Love that one. Doug Powers at the Powers That Be. Isn't the most embarrassing time of the year. Isn't the most, but yeah, it should have been. Isn't it the most embarrassing time of the year? The real Pete Smith at actual Pete Smith. 12 drummers drumming narratives, 11 typers typing, 10 repeaters lording, 9 ladies lying, 8 made lying, 7 Kennedy swimming, 6 sheep a following, 5 marriage rings for Mika, 4, 3, 2, and an oversized inker cartridge to print lies. I like that one. At Starbaby186, do you see what I see? The fool's the fool sitting at a desk. Telling lies like a big as a kite. Telling lies as a big as a kite. Kind of fucked that one up. All I want for Christmas is two honest sources. Hark the fake news angels sing. I saw George Takaki groping Santa Claus. Retracting around the Christmas tree. Acosta got run over by a press sack. Uh, lemon nose. I didn't really like that one. Not all mats. MD Rake. Lemon got run over by a Trump tweet. CNN got ran over by a Trump train. Oh, wine, all ye faithful. That was a good one. It's the most wonderful time of the year to invent anonymous sources and print fake news about Trump. That was uh, Kurt Michaels at Dat Other Michael. I sheeple were beginning to look a lot like fake news. Democrats killed me. I saw Hillary kissing CNN. That was good. That was a good one. And we'll close with our tweet of the day. Because there's a whole bunch. Another 12 days of Christmas song. The Pete Real Pete at Pete Smith. Silent Retraction. Tweet of the day! To our hate tweets, Donald Trump Jr., this boy is incredibly brave. The video really got to me. At Dana White, if he takes you up on your offer to see UFC headquarters, I'd be honored to host him and his family at our place if they need somewhere to stay. Bob Seska, when is your dad going to apologize to Serge Kowalski for mocking his disability, Don? You and your father bully people constantly. Get out of here. Stay away from him. Sadly, the only humanity Junior has is what is that he 
was probably mercilessly bullied by his old man, so he emphasizes with this kid. Whatever your dad is the biggest bully, how about you ask him to set an example? The man who bullied kids on Halloween this year is trying to turn a real victim of bullying into his political pawn. I wouldn't be surprised if the kid finds the courage to accept his offer just calling out his bullying to his face. And it goes on and on. Can't let it go. CBS News. Governor Brown criticizes President Trump for climate change position as California burns. Somebody says, California fires have been around a little longer than Trump. Let's get real. The Paris Accord was not an effective approach to climate change. Let me remind you, nations are still allowed to produce ozone-destroying chemicals in 2020. Then, Trump News. Or, Trump News. Might be Trump News. That's all NBC covers. Trump's North Korean policy could trigger famine, experts say. Trump's primary, Trump administration's primary North Korean strategy will do little to curb the country's nuclear program and could trigger a famine, according to experts. After sparing several rounds of sanctions, the White House is now urging China to turn off oil supplies to Kim Jong-il. Somebody said, delete your account. Is this a parody account? This can't be real journalism. It just can't. Fire the person responsible for this. It's not the only merciful thing to do. <clears throat> and then it is our duel. Motherfucker asshole today. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole. Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You are an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole! Motherfuckers think y'all run everything. Motherfucker, 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 now I know that's a long bumper and dramatic, but listen to this tweet. Mother Jones, happy Hanukkah. Here's a story about Trump and Hitler. That's an actual thing. Festive of Slights, the first night, Trump book of Hitler's speeches. Actually, it was my friend who gave me a copy of Mein Kampf, and he's a Jew. This was written by Ben Dreyfus, who actually put that shit out. Chad Felix Green. Okay, that's enough internet for today. As always, Mother Jones comes in with class. Idiots, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Trump deranged syndrome has reached a whole new level with you fucking freaks. Nothing is sacred. Nothing. You people are super fucked up. Let's go to hypocrisy. 
Hypocrisy! Jim? Reporter's mistakes and Sorry, uh, disinformation campaign by a foreign government. Does he see a distinction there? I haven't spoken with him about that, but certainly we would take uh, any misinformation like that very seriously. Um, but it's not something we're comparing the two on. And, and I would just say, Sarah, that, that journalists make honest mistakes, and that doesn't make them fake news. But uh, the question but that when I journalists have, make honest mistakes, they should own up to them. Uh, sometimes, and a lot of times you don't. But there's a difference. There's a very big I'm sorry, I'm not finished. There's a very big difference between making honest mistakes and purposefully misleading the American people, something that happens regularly. You can't say, I'm not done. You cannot say, you cannot say that it's an honest mistake when you're purposely putting out information that you know to be false or when you're taking information that hasn't been validated, that hasn't been uh, offered any credibility and that has been continually denied by a number of people, including people with direct knowledge of an instance. This is something uh, that... I'm speaking about the number of reports that have taken place over the last couple of weeks. I'm simply stating that there should be a certain level of responsibility in that process. This was not, this was not, Ryan, uh, I called on Jim. This is not uh, the, the line of questioning that I was going down, but can you cite a specific story that you say is intentionally false, that was intentionally put out there to mislead the American people? Sure. The ABC report by Brian Ross, I think that was pretty misleading to the American people. And I think that it's very telling that that individual had to be suspended because of that reporting. I think that shows that the network took it seriously and recognized that it was a problem. Sarah, Jim? If I may, though, I was going to ask a question about something well, else. you used it on something well, else. Sarah, Jim? Sarah, if I may. Sarah, I think it's We're going to keep moving, guys. If I can ask about the, the other president's uh, accusations. I'm moving to a different gym. I'm them. sorry. I know, but I didn't get a, a chance to ask the, the question that I wanted to ask, which is. Jim. Can you just say once and for all whether these Jim, I'm going to say once and for all that I'm moving on to Jim Stinson, and I'm not taking another question I, I from you at this in, point. I was Sarah, in, a question about so investment. to your attacks on investment the taxes. Taxes. That's okay. I, I would like to ask the question that I had about these accusations of misconduct against the president. You said that he's denied them. Can you say whether or not they are false? I'm not That's gonna all I'm asking. Go ahead, Jim. That's Jim Acosta being a gigantic advocate for the DCCC and going on about that stupid tweet that was actually interpreted by resistance members. And that's a major news source acting like resistance members. They went on and on and on about it. CNN Politics, for other hard-hitting nudes. Barack Obama had three of the most retweeted tweets of 2017. Donald Trump didn't make the top ten. That's an actual tweet. Mark Noller, Defense Secretary Mattis, Joint Chief Chair, defund await D- Dunford, await President Trump in Roosevelt Room for signing a near $700 billion national defense authorization, authorization bill. After the bill's signing, the President ignored a shouted question for CNN Jim Acosta. Ali Malloy, President Trump ignores Acosta and what the President meant when, when he tweeted Senator Gillibrand. Prior to this moment, Press Secretary issued a warning to me. She said, if I ask question of Trump to the bill signing, I can't promise you'll be allowed in the pool spray again. Sorry, Sarah, we won't be intimidated, was what Jim Acosta tweeted. David Martosco. I don't know if Press Secretary will ban Acosta for future White House pool spray photo ops. I'm willing to bet, however, that there will be now be fewer of them. There's a time and a place, and I say this as the only reporter banned from a press pool, Clinton's, during the campaign. Then Acosta went to the air. 
Now, Wolf, uh, just to give you a sense as to how sensitive this matter is over at the White House, I will tell you in the moments before I asked the President that question in the Roosevelt Room as he was signing uh, that uh, defense authorization bill, uh, the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, pulled me aside. Uh, this was prior uh, to me asking that question to the President, and she warned me that if I asked the President a question at this pool spray, as we call them, uh, that she could not promise that I would be allowed into a pool spray again. Uh, Wolf, this was a direct threat coming from the press secretary uh, to me, warning me not to ask a question. And, of course, I went ahead and asked the question anyway, and the president did not respond. But, Wolf, uh, as you know, we don't respond to threats. Uh, we're not going to be intimidated. But that did happen uh, prior to my asking that question of the president. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, I want you to stand by, uh, Jim, uh, because the news conference up on Capitol I was doing my theses for a master's degree. That would just, I just play that soundbite. That's media bias on its highest level. Taking a tweet, acting like a resistance member who is not a professional journalist, asking that question when told not to in an imperfect place when you're not supposed to do it. It's a bill signing. You don't ask those questions. Then taking to the air and talking about, well, I, I can't guarantee you could do this, which is the same shit that every administration's ever done. And as Martosco said, Clinton banned people from pool sprays. Democrats did it. Obama brought in Huffington Post. We had all that shit under the fucking Bush administration that it was horrible to bring conservative people in the room. The front row of every press briefing for Obama was nothing but lefties. That's journalism. To more hypocrisy. Morning Joe host Mika Brzezinski victim shames Al Franken accuser for supporting Trump. After Franken announced his resignation, Brzezinski said, uh, put a big asterisk next to believe all women. Said Brzezinski, I'm just wondering if all the women need to be believed, and I'm concerned that we are being the judge, the jury, and the cops here, and so did Senate Democrats getting ahead of their skis. Then Stephanie Rule said, this is great, and played it, and said it was the best thing ever, and once again, we are showing every podcast, every podcast, the left is a bunch of hypocrites. Just a bunch of fucking hypocrites. It's okay to do everything against Republicans. Just convict them instantaneously. Demand like Trent Lott, they leave office. But when Bill Clinton's accused of raping fucking people and gets a blowjob and shoves cigars up Gooch's, we don't do anything about that. You're all hypocrites. You're fucking hypocrites. And because we keep on running to the same name over and over and over again, I have now started a new segment. This is the Dowd Report. Uh, I think she's got about a 95% chance in this election, and I think she's going to have a higher margin than Barack Obama did in 2012. All the Higher debt. margin than Obama? High, high, she's going to win by more than 5 billion votes. She's going to win by a higher percentage. And interestingly, she's going to have a more diverse coalition of voters than Barack Obama even had when you look at the final numbers in this race. Every piece of data points in that direction. And my view is you take the facts into account, and that's what the data is. You want to know why? Had to start that. That is a bumper I made up because he's a fucking liar. And now he's just totally, he's becoming this 
anti-Christian guy, or at least conservative. You're a good Christian if you don't, you know, follow all the Bible stuff and you're gay, transgender, all that shit, and you say you're a Christian, that's a good Christian, but a Christian who follows the Bible and says that homosexuality is an abomination before God and blah, 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 you're a piece of fucking shit. So here is his little screed this week. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I, that, that's like me saying I'm a good Christian. All right. I, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ as my savior, but you don't hear me on the show talking a lot about it because I curse like crazy and I am not a perfect human being. So that's just the hypocritical shit, but that's how he starts every one of these. I'm a Christian and love the Bible and Christmas, but I would much prefer to hang out with atheists who refuse to say Merry Christmas, but care for others than when they evangelical Christians who spew hate and don't have Christmas in their hearts. Somebody said, you know, I'm not sure anyone refuses to say Merry Christmas. I think it's more that uh, some people are okay with people who celebrate other holidays and choose to say something that includes them. Matt Dowd agreed. We just, we just, we was just making a point amid a, a fa, at fa, God, I can't read today. Agree was just making a point amid, aimed at faux Christians. Somebody said, I am a Christian. Doubtful. Matt Dowd. Now that's the Christian spirits. This guy is signaling so hard he could really use some prayer. As an atheist, I'll pass. I'd rather hang out with sincere foot-washing, shit-kicking snake handlers than lukewarm, judgy squishes. That came from an atheist. Even atheists! I'll call him Matt Dowd up. Matt Dowd has no longer stayed anywhere in the realm of normalness. He is just a fucking Democrat spinmeister. But that's ABC News. All right, here comes our media mash. Let me start with the issue of taxes here, um, uh, since we just ended that with Senator Scott. Uh, I know you're not a fan of this bill at all, okay? I know where you believe the priorities are all wrong. But what should, should the Democratic, has the Democratic Party collectively done enough, you think, in the institutions of the House and the Senate to stop this bill? Well, one of the absurdities of this whole process is the Republicans made a decision to go forward without any Democratic Party input. Well, but let me go to this impeachment question here. Um, is Tom Steyer right that it's time to look at that option? There was already a House vote this week. Many Democrats weren't ready to, to, vote, to, to get on that bandwagon yet. Where are you on this issue? I think there is a process that has to uh, be followed. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Mueller is doing a very good job on his investigation. And if Mueller brings forth the clear evidence that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians, I think you have grounds for impeachment. But I think jumping the gun does nobody any good. Now to our other big story, the summit here in Paris tomorrow. It was organized by French President Emmanuel Macron to focus on climate change following President Trump's decision to pull out the U.S. out of the 2015 Paris Accord, which set goals for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We had an extended conversation with Macron today on a number of issues, including terrorism, the future of Jerusalem, and more. But we begin with this summit called One Planet. How much has the withdrawal affected your efforts? I think the withdrawal, to be totally fair with you, created a huge momentum to me to create a counter 
momentum. You say you're in better shape now because of this withdrawal, that the president did you a favor? I told him that for me it's not the right announcement, but at the end of the day, you decide for your own. And he decided for the U.S., I decided for France, which is normal. In your estimation, does it jeopardize the peace process? So, my, my first obsession, I would say, and my first concern is to preserve peace and calm in the whole region. Second, I think we, we have to discuss with all the parties and try to find a way out. But obviously, the reaction of the Palestinians will not be very positive. They are not in the good mood to progress towards a, a, any peace process. Obviously, uh, Trump watches, as you report in this, sh uh, in this piece, watches this show occasionally, you say, to get worked up in the morning. Mm -hmm. The show that works him up in the evening, you report, and I, I believe on the basis of my reporting this is true, is Don Lemon at mm -hmm. CNN. So I'm mm -hmm. curious, a lot of people have asked this question after the story came out, what is it, I'm asking this in a slightly devilish way, perhaps, what is it about Don Lemon that annoys the president so much? Well, <laughs> good question. Look, Don Lemon is, is, is pretty, uh, pretty. You know, he's uninhibited in what he says. Sometimes on the uh, show, he gives his opinion in some ways. He, he frames the issues in a way that clearly gets under the president's skin. Uh, I think that uh, you know he likes this jolt of uh, television he doesn't agree with. It's kind of hate watching. You know, he, he watches something that he knows is going to rile him up. It's like a, it's like a big cup of caffeine and. Uh, uh, it's uh, most people try to avoid things that make them upset, but I think that President Trump, uh, he gets a charge out of it. It's part of how he, he has a uh, operates. Reaction. Yeah, and it's not new. This is not new to his his lifestyle. This is the way he's he's gone for a long time. It just happens to be new to this particular White House. Well, and I'm I curious. Mean, I'm curious if Eddie has any views no about why I'm, Donald Trump might be more <laughs> might be more more upset why about that. I'm just curious. Why me? Eddie has Eddie, you're an astute, astute commentator on media. I'm just knowing. I've got to say, uh, if Peter won't say it, I will. Um, it's a last name, Lemon. Yeah. Because he has this reaction <laughs> to that. And I bet it is. It's a negative Lemon. Yeah, that's some good shit right there, man. That is Chuck Toad saying, did the Dems do enough to stop a tax bill? Because, once again, it's not a journalist. He's an advocate for the Democrats. And then my other favorite tidbit in there is them pretty much saying, because Trump fights back against Don Lemon, who disparages him every night, the only reason that could be is because he's black. Yeah. Other great ones. Newsweek. Actual article. Because of Donald Trump, people are attacking synagogues and burning Israeli flags. Because he's moving it to Jerusalem. Yeah. Another one, foreign policy. It happened this way in Germany, Cambodia, Rwanda, and counts the sites of genocide, ethnic cleansing, and mass persecution. They're basically saying that it's Trump's rhetoric. That's how it started. CNN, 26-year-old faces challenge as they drop off parents' coverage. Once again, a jab because the Obama mandate is no longer a thing. Yeah, we could be objective. Why would we do that? We're advocates. Let's move into our stats. New study, bias is real news, not fake news, was key factor in Hillary loss. And in this study, they're probably much saying it had more to do with what I said. I said. That because the media was so pro-Hillary, they pushed people to drop. Which I am 100% in agreement with. They were so in the Hillary tank, people felt sorry for Trump.
The same reason why George W. Bush won in 2004, my friends. They pushed people. They made people feel sorry for Bush. They made people feel sorry for Trump because it was so blatantly obvious they were out to get him. Study came in for the healthiest and least healthiest states in America. The healthiest top 10 is Massachusetts, Hawaii, Vermont, Utah, Connecticut, Minnesota, Colorado, New Hampshire, Washington, and New York. Least healthiest, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, West Virginia. My state is the number six least healthy. Pretty happy about that. Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Georgia. Other fake stats... Jim Acosta ran with, since Handy Hook, there have been at least 1,552 mass shootings with at least 1,767 people killed and 6,227 wounded. He cited a Vox article. People say Jim Acosta cites Vox and everyone points and laughs. Charles W. Cook, this is a lie. It's a politician that said this. Jim Acosta would interrupt the press conference and live fact-checked him with readily available FBI statistics. Jerry Beyer, from the article, under those terms, mass shootings don't appear to be increasing. And it's worth noting that mass shootings make up a tiny portion of America's firearms deaths. Fuzzy Chimp Loves Christmas. During the same time period, approximately 50,000 people were killed in motor vehicle crashes that involved alcohol-impaired drivers. We need common sense alcohol control now. Yes. Emily Miller. Hey, Acosta. This is terrible reporting. You're citing another news source, Vox.com, so not first-hand info. And they're making this map based on an organization that counts mass shootings from the news reports. How about your call to the FBI, Andrew Kaczynski? What argument against counting news reports? Possible double counting, misreporting, etc. News reports get it all wrong all the time. Uh huh. So the FBI only takes gun stats from government agencies, police sheriffs for each year, and then do another round of checks. Emily Miller, nothing personal, but I'm reporting these facts as 2012, and no one else seems to care or do research. Drives me banana that the MSM report don't know the government definition of mass shooting. And then she tweets this: the AP story for today claims that authorities recovered a 40 millimeter pistol. And she sends it to Kaczynski and Acosta. Come on, AP. You're supposed to be a credible news source with editorial process. A 40, milli- 40 millimeter gun would be teeny tiny. Error is what I think she meant to say. Because it's not. That's a fucking grenade launcher. Acosta joins Michael Moore, who sent the same thing. So my stat of the day is, A, the left knows nothing about guns. B, the left pushes false statistics all the time. C, Acosta's Michael Moore. You like that? That's my logic. I'm using their logic. It works. It's just a short line between those two people. Then David Lenardi did another stat of the day. After we published a list of Trump lies this summer, some of the supporters asked us to compare Trump to other presidents we've done so far. By the time they were done, they said there were 18 lies. Conservatives said that's all fucking bullshit because PolitiFacts lists 20 on one page and there's four pages. But the most responses, do you really believe Obama, the dear one, the anointed one, actually ever lied? I think you're a fucking Trump supporter. Then there's this stat. Anything negative on Trump, it's gonna print. This lady, what the fuck was her name? Virginia Hefferman. 
My friend Ann taught Don Jr. preschool in Manhattan. She asked him to move his mat one day, and he said, fuck you, bitch. He was three. Today's for you, Ann, somebody says, because this is how preschoolers talk. Totally not attention-seeking. Tiffany, I read this to my three-year-old, and he said, that's a fucking line. Now get me chocolate milk. It was so hard not to put that in the tweet of the day, but I wanted to end on a laugh through that ugly thing. And our biggest stat of the day before we go on a segment on, once again, the attack on Sarah Huckabee. And I'm only doing it not because I'm a Huckabee supporter, not because I'm a Trump supporter, because it's the hypocrisy entailed in that if you attack any woman on the left that's a woman or anybody on the left who's a woman, you are a sexist, racist, something. And the things that are being printed about Sarah Huckabee but Hollywood and the media is just totally fucked up. J.J. Watts dropped his new shoes. In an internet exchange on Twitter, by the end of that exchange, J.J. Watts mailed everybody in an infantry unit a new pair of those shoes. So that's a great stat to lead us in to just some hateful shit about Sarah Huckabee. Hey y'all, it's me, Sarah Huckenders. Here's my first makeup YouTube tutorial. Woo! Now I like to start with a nice moisturizer. I like to just stop here. Right now my skin is dry, just like Puerto Rico for that one rainy day they had. So I'm gonna go ahead and get this moisturizer in my hand. I'm gonna arm on this face and just put it all over your face. I like gravy. My face is a big fat biscuit. This is a primer that goes on before the makeup, okay? To make it stay longer. Look at that. You can't even see it after you rub it in. It's invisible. Just like the link to sign up for Obamacare. <laughs> Get a look with that. This is foundation. And just like the foundation of America, Republican, it's strong and it's white. Actually, it looks pretty brown. Alright, so you're gonna take this foundation and grab you a beauty blender. Now, this is a beauty blender right here. It may look like a butt plug. But it's not. Beauty blender up your butt once. On me. Stick a beauty blender up your butt twice. It's a shame I didn't think of that sooner. I used to not know what foundation was. But our great president was kind enough to take me to a Sephora. And he said to the employee, Hey, you see that fella right here? Make him a woman. I heard that outside a club once. This here is concealer. It helps with dark circles under your eyes or with rush investigations like how I've been helping Mr. Trump. This is bronzer. The shade is called Pocahontas, but I like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Suck it. Blush. I got blush right here. These little compacts are real hard to open. Oh. Now blush is very accessible. You can get this at a drugstore. Right next to the gun store, where you can pick up your guns because it is your American right. Now, the color I'm using, oh, look, it's two little rabbits kissing. Oh, man, that's cute. I hope it is a man and a woman bunny, though. Get that homosexual makeup away from me. Now, the color I'm using is a light pink, not a peach, because that makes people think of impeachment, which is never going to happen. Next is my signature look, Smokey Raccoon. Woo! What's this stuff called? Now these smoky eyes are dark and mysterious, sort of like our last president. 
before he was born. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to take this brush, you're going to take this eyeshadow, and then you're going to carefully smear it all over your eyelids like so. And if that's not smoky enough for you, you can grab a paint roller and put it on like so. And to complete my face, I got this red lipstick. I call it Republican Red. Oh, oh you gotta get all around your lips. The more lipstick you use, the younger you look. <laughs> In fact, the other day, Roy Moore tried to pick me up from a mall. I said, I'm 35, and he said, that's 21 too many. <laughs> I know what you guys were thinking. She's only 35? I get it. I got my dad's old face. I'd be shocked as shit, too, if someone looked at me and said... She's 35, and I said, what? Thanks for watching my makeup tutorial. And if you don't have and you want a quick Sarah Huckabee face, just click on the link in my bio for my limited edition paint mask. Comes out perfect every time. Thanks for watching, and God bless the USA and the NRA. And suck it, Hillary. You're going to jail. This is a situation where I heard a psychiatrist speak the other day, and he said when he looks at Sarah Huckabee Sanders, he sees someone who's kind of cult-like. Like cult brainwashed? Yeah. He felt that way, the way she speaks. And as you notice, the antagonism she has for the press corps is like everybody that he puts in a position is antagonistic toward the very job that they have. She talks down to them. She doesn't believe in freedom of the press. She says lie after lie after lie after lie without even an expression on her face. So I think it's a very sad day for the country, not only to have President Trump, but to have someone like that who doesn't bring any independence or integrity to the job. The first soundbite is from at Fortune Funny mocking Sanders. The second is a seated senator, Barbara Boxer, disparaging a press secretary. The first was tweeted by Rosie O'Donnell, Chelsea Handler, etc., etc. Dana Loesch, if you can't intellectually, if you can't intelligently disagree with a woman's position on national policy, ridicule her looks. Thanks, feminism. Another one. Way to go, feminism. At homonym attacks on a woman's looks. Good job pushing a liberal agenda. When humor descends the level of simply mocking other women, it's time to turn in your pussy hat. Women like you are worst women's enemy. Mrs. Sanders is a thousand times role model for women than you'll ever be and a hell of a lot more prettier. And that's the kind of stuff that's happening every day. Somebody even sent it to Netflix. Is this okay? Signed, a subscriber. Washington Post columnist brings up Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders' body in a border wall comparison. This is from December 5th. In an interview with NPR on point on Sunday, a Washington Post columnist prepared White House Press Secretary Sander Huckabee Sanders to the proposed border wall between the United States and Mexico. Kathleen Parker, a columnist for Washington Post, got very close to fat-shaming Sanders when explaining why the White House official is a physical bearer between public and the Oval Office. She's impermeable. You know, we've heard forever and ever that we're going to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, and the wall that we've wound up with is named Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she is, you know, she's just, uh, she's just there. She's, Laura, I, I have watched my descriptors here because I don't want to say anything physically insulting, but she's, um, you know, she provides a, 
a barrier essentially between American public, the White House, and the truth. NPR's Tom Ashbrook changed the direction of the conversation by tossing questions to CBS Major Garrett. We don't have to go physical in a way to observe that this is very formidable person in the microphone, Ashbrook said. Characterize Sarah Huckabee Sanders as a White House press secretary for us. Garrett continued to talk about Trump administration and Sanders' role in the White House. You can listen to the exchange here, and they sent it to you. Chelsea Handler, once again, what did she write? A feminist government, a feminist at my government, Mike Huckabee, is someone who supports other women. A feminist is someone who believes the accounts of 15 different women who have similar stories about your presidents. A feminist doesn't discount other women. Your daughter is not a feminist. You raised a liar. Mark Blazoff, there's a straitjacket with your name on it. Instead of tweeting nonsensical ideas and your desperate attempt at staying relevant, maybe you should spend time writing a new comedy material and try to be funny for once. Babe, I make a million dollars a year being funny, and then I give half that money to people who need it more than I do. What do you do? Are you funny? You must not be a feminist either, because if you were then, by your own standards, you wouldn't support other women like press secretary. Then there was Pygate! Part two, Sarah Sanders, it's pie time with or without bourbon, April D. Ryan, pie gate, hey April, you can't argue this is a store-bought pie, what's next, you want video evidence or baking the pie from start to finish, Sarah's at least nice enough to ask if she would make it with bourbon, so, so we're, some were quick to jump on Sanders' ass, it's t- pie time with or without bourbon, Jason Vincent, Ingredients do not make a pie. 100 retracted points for working for Trump. How many pies are you making? All pecan? Why so many eggs? You put a dozen eggs in a pie? Nice staging, but not buying it. Is this also a stock photo? I need a glass of bourbon when I watch your press briefings. Don't forget a quarter cup of light treason. You drink the bourbon, Huck? They say the truth comes out when liquor does, and we've seen no truth from you to date. Amy Cosper. Hmm. You cook like Roe Moore rides a horse. I suggest bourbon. Lots of it. And it goes on and on and on. Then there's Rosie O'Donnell. Picture of an ugly version of Huckabee. This fucking pie-baking lying sack of shit. Hashtag fush. Picasso lives. Great driving of the evil bitch. Then Rosie O'Donnell. I had to resign, Sarah. I couldn't keep lying with a straight face. Yeah, Sean, that won't be a problem for me. And she's presented as an ugly bitch. Then a picture of her breaking news. And she's breaking the microphone. And she's a fat, disgusting, ugly bitch. Then if you would stop asking, lock him up, I could stop lying. She's an ugly-looking bitch. Responses from feminist. Thank you, Rosie. I don't cover this once again because I like Huckabee. I like her husband, her father. I don't know anything about her. The sheer hypocrisy and the level of ad hominem attacks and personal degradation of people that work for Trump would never be tolerated by any Democrat president. It just wouldn't be tolerated. And secondly, as we keep hearing in our media over and over and over that Trump has taken the level of, you know, decorum down. He's ruined the, the history of Washington. Chuck Toad's always talking about how things have gone so horrible because of Trump and his Twitter account. What is coming out of the resistance is at a level we've never seen. 
threats of killing, hurting anybody that works for Trump needs to die. Anybody who voted for Trump needs to die. Disparaging parts of the country that voted for Trump. I mean, I live in a zone that by most of the resistance, blue check Democrat political reporters, I should be dead. Because I'm a useless human being. I'm an uneducated slob. But that's what they say. We didn't know what we had with the greatness of Hillary Clinton. So I had to cover it. It, it. it won't stop. And I want you to understand, when you pile up the blonde bimbo articles, the peroxide Hitlerites, everything we covered on the show, I can't wait for the next Democratic president. Because the moment people say anything about any of their administration, and they do it on the level of personal degradation, and especially the f- just anti-female comments, you wait for this hypocritical goddamn Democrat-ran presidential fucking shilling goddamn fucking media, the horror that somebody would ever say that about a woman. It'll be hashtag me too part do. You're a harasser. Which takes us to our other article before we go to news, social media, and nuggets. This is from Walt Hayer again, and it's another case of a child who was forced to do a sex change and had regrets. This formerly trans 14-year-old has a message for questioning kids. Nor Jontry believes she was male from age 11 to 13, but she changed her mind. Not at age 14, she's sharing her journey into the trans male identity and back. Nor Jonti believes she was a male from 11 to 13, but she changed her mind. Not at 14, she is sharing her story of going back to being a female. In an interview with the website Fourth Wave Now, Nor gives extraordinary mature insight into her thoughts and feelings as she changed from being certain she wanted a gender transition to finding less distracting ways of addressing her gender dysphoria and becoming comfortable in her female body. Gender dysphoria is the strong feeling of unease about one's gender not matching one's physical body. Nor says, I learned that being female isn't a feeling. It's a biological reality, and I can feel however I feel without it meaning I was male. When asked why she wanted to be, be a male, she said she didn't like her body and wanted a different one. She also realized, in retrospect, that I used being trans to try to escape being scared about being small and weak. I thought that if I pre- presented myself as a male, I'd be safer. With the encouragement of her mother, she researched the medical effects of puberty blockers, cross-gender hormones, and surgery, and came to see that her initial beliefs, such as there being no dangerous side effects from hormones or blockers, or thinking that she could delay puberty forever, wasn't true. She says she now understands that testosterone is a powerful drug that can damage female organs and puberty blockers negatively affect brain development. When asked about dysphoria, Nor said it's definitely a real feeling, but being uncomfortable is being part of human. If you can't cope with those feelings, then you need help learning better ways to cope. My psychologist understood I had gender dysphoria, and we worked through the trauma that caused it. I come under fire for suggesting people with gender dysphoria spend time with psychologists to work through it, nor puts it the trauma that caused it in my 10 years of working with trans people and the families. I have found 100% of those who write me can identify the onsets of gender dysphoria in themselves or their loved ones. So many traumas can cause gender dysphoria, including emotional loss, abuse, extreme changes in the home. According to research, almost two thirds, 62.7%, of transgender people have some type of coexisting psychiatric disorder, such as depression, 
phobia, and adjustment disorder. As Nora has discovered there are, and articulates so well, dysphoria allow, always has a deeper root. Trans isn't the right word. We've learned to know it as trans, but really what I think some people feel is extreme chronic dissociation, possibly from trauma and PTSD. That's what happened to me. I didn't want to be the boy who experienced the pain in my young life, so I wanted to escape it and be someone else. In medical parlance, I disassociated. According to scientific research, search, I'm a good company. Almost a third, 29.6% of trans people have disassociated of disorder. Researchers evaluated 118 individuals with gender dysphoria. And in addition to dissociative disorder, at 29.6% found a high prevalence of lifetime major depressive episodes, 45.8%, suicide attempts, 21%, and childhood trauma of 45.8%. I also suffered childhood trauma. So I followed the recommendation of gender professionals and underwent inter- irreversible gender change. Living as a woman, I still experienced severe gender identity distress and attempted suicide. Eventually, I was diagnosed with dissociative disorder, which I found out later, and and had driven my unrelenting desire to become someone else. Thankfully, when I received appropriate counseling for my dissociative disorder, my desire to be a woman dissipated and I returned to life as a man. Unfortunately, so-called gender specialists generally focus only on the patient's gender dysphoria and don't consider treating any coexisting disorder prior to approving hormone therapy and sex change surgery. An example of this came in my email this week. A man in his 20s went for his first appointment with a gender specialist and walked out with a prescription for cross-gender hormones. That's appalling. Hormones are powerful drugs, as Noor understands very well. Reports of psychiatric issues amongst transgender contradict the political correctness narrative and get downplayed or suppressed. Individuals with gender dysphoria are typically not encouraged to seek diagnosis and resolution for their depression and adjustment disorders. Instead, it is assumed that their psychiatric difficulties are due to not being true to themselves, and they are fast-tracked to transition with hormones and surgery, which have not been proven to improve the quality of life and lead to suicide. The truth offends people. Informing people about transgression regret or advising counseling is considered hate speech or transphobia. Researchers are discouraged from studying this topic rigorously. Schools are inundated with activists demand to teach gender ideology and implement policy that deny the physical underpinnings of sex and gender. Laws are being passed, making it illegal for licensed therapists to pursue any line of counseling with minors other than affirming that they are the wrong sex. Yet more than 50 years, there have been no proof that using hormones and surgery to treat gender dysphoria is effective and long-term. From the first drafts of the 79 by Paul Dr. Dr. Paul Walker to the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, standards today, standards of care provide only one course, change them. Telling the truth, as painful as it can be to hear, shows general concern and compassion for people who are sincerely struggling. Nora's mother showed love and compassion when she encouraged her preteen daughter to research the damage of this transition. <clears throat> it demonstrates compassion to suggest a non-surgical treatment. First, people deserve to know what Nora shared, that feeling can and do change, and that gender change hormones and surgery cause lifelong consequences. And he goes on and finishes with wise words indeed from a 14-year-old has been there and back and now shares her insight in the world. You don't see that. You don't hear about it. It's not covered in our media because as Mr. Hare says, if you say there's anything other than 
will change your genitals. <laughs> Sorry, folks. You're a transphobe. That's how they play it. That's how GLAD has gotten it gone. That's how Planned Parenthood plays it. That's how the Democrats play it. And it's dangerous. The suicide rate in trans is not due to people treating them poorly. The suicide rate in trans is due to their mentally fucked up. They need help. And it's not hormones. And it's not a surgery. If you don't believe me, go to sexchangeregret.org. It outlines this. We've done it on the show numerous times. Because as I researched this, just like abortion, I found everything the media told me was a bold-faced agenda and lie. To a music break, news, social media nuggets. bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed
Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance we have right see these girls yep. no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales gays in the military now Can take into combat is the reason why. 19 men attacked our country. 12 of you will be the first ones to fight back. It's us. We're going in. You know I love you, right? Why? These men follow you. You take me to the Taliban, I'll show you. Okay. We take horses. Alright, who's ridden before? Anyone? Cancun, Spring Break. Hey, this will be fun. <laughs> Chances are we are not going to make it out of this. Get out, get out. Pete, you got to make this decision. Nothing I'd rather do. Thought you'd never ask. Our boys are going to ride into battle on horseback. Hey, where the hell do those come from? This is from the towers. You carry that with you. 12 Strong, rated R. Experience it in IMAX. That is a trailer to a new movie, 12 Strong. It looks fucking fantastic. I can't wait to see it. It's about the initial evasion in Afghanistan. Another movie coming out is 1517. The Paris trailer has Clint Eastwood celebrating real heroes, is the article. And it looks like it's going to be a fantastic flick about the three soldier heroes that stopped a bombing in Paris. So, those are two movies coming out in the new year. I'm looking forward to them. Another military story, A-10 Warthog gets a boost from Air Force Secretary. After years of speculation surrounding the fate of the A-10 Thunderbolt II Warthog and amid compounding budget pressures, the Air Force beloved light attack aircraft just picked up a major boost from current Secretary of Air Force Heather Wilson. Testifying for the Senate Armed Service Committee on December 11th, the former Air Force officer reassured lawmakers that a multi-million dollar A-10 wing production program to upgrade the wings on half the service's A-10s, far from being a budget boondoggle, would keep the aircraft dominant against all manners of battles, and Wilson added, with a smirk, I happen to be a fan of the A-10, and I am too. Talk about it all the time 
on this show, and it is the greatest aircraft ever, ever, ever. Also had a large article. I'll just read the title. You can go to Task of Purpose and read it. It's hilarious. The new Predator will have violence, jokes, and vets on a mission to kill these fucking aliens. The sad part is, somebody tweeted, and just to be clear, PG-13 is for pussies. Spined, spines bleed a lot. <laughs> Probably not going to be the movie we wished it to be. Now to the crazy. Christian students claim school told them to revise their beliefs. Yeah. A Christian student group has filed a lawsuit against the University of Iowa alleging that the school tried to make it revise its statement of faith before reinstating its official status. A member of the group had claimed in 2016 that he was denied a leadership position in the group for being openly gay, a charge the group denies, saying the student was turned down because he rejected the group's core beliefs, which is Christianity. So we have to revise our beliefs on our religion of Christianity, but you better bow down to everything Islamists say. Makes sense. Lawsuit accuses Oberman of slandering a local bakery as racist. Here we go again with the bakery attacks by Glad and Company. A family-owned bakery is suing Oberlin College and its dean of students for slander, claiming that the school actively encouraged protests accusing the store of racial profiling. The controversy began in November 2016 when three black students were arrested for attempting to, wait for it, shoplift in the store. Prompted students to charge the owners with a history of racism. So they're fucking racist because people steal for them and they call the cops. Hmm. <clears throat> what I would do is hire a black person to man the counter and let them call the cops. Checkmate! College enlist Care Bears to Comfort Stressed Out Students. Yeah, that's a real title. In case you missed it, they enlist Care Bears to Comfort Stressed Out Students. A dorm for honor students at the University of Massachusetts Amherst recently put up a display featuring Care Bear characters offering advice for grumpy or stressed students. Make time for fun, the display advises, adding that laughter is the best medicine. A quote from the article, frankly, I just think it's ridiculous. The people that live in this dorm are 20 or 21-year-olds. It's important to take care of ourselves. Self-care is an active choice, and you should treat it as such. One section of the complaint or proclaims, hmm, give them a Care Bear with their snowflakes. These fucking kids are going to be the weakest generation. There was the greatest generation, now it's the weakest generation. B.I. reviewing claims that university violated abortion laws. The FBI, because that didn't make any sense of B.I., but I guess I edited it wrong. The FBI recently began reviewing allegations that the University of New Mexico, Mexico illegally procured fetuses from a local abortion clinic to conduct medical research, but could not confirm whether it was open and official investigation. A U.S. US House panel had issued criminal referrals to the Mexico, New Mexico Attorney General in June 2016, where Republican Representative Steve Peirce sent a follow-up request to Attorney General Jeff Session after state authorities failed to take action. 
what is up with the left and babies and chop shops? Seriously. Evergreen professor who berated white colleagues resigns. An Evergreen State College professor who was caught on camera screaming at her white colleagues has officially resigned after reaching a $240,000 settlement. Evergreen State was consumed by racial turmoil this year after a white professor questioned the decision to ask white people to leave campus for a day of diversity program. Hmm. Leave campus. <clears throat> this no- Niambi... Niamma Niambi is wearing a shirt with middle fingers and she's middle fingering the crowd. She literally is wearing a shirt with just black hands. I think she's a racist. I'm writing to let you know that our faculty colleague, Niamia Lowe, has elected to resign her position at the college. Provost Jennifer Drake wrote Monday in an email to faculty. Feminist and queer theory, race, and decolonial studies. The white gays, the middle class assimilating motherfucker gays, took over gay movement with their assimilating goals. That's something she actually wrote. Other things she wrote. You are now these motherfuckers that we're pushing against. You can't see your way out of your own ass. Lowe goes on to tell her colleagues, adding that the student protesters are literally asking for the same shit students have been asking for since the 70s. In another video from 2015, which surfaced amidst the recent turmoil, Lowe can be heard condemning white gays and white middle class at Capital City Pride Fest. White supremacy lives and breathes within every single white person standing here right now. I refuse to shut my mouth and let white people set this aside, she yelled claiming that the white gays, the white middle class, assimilating motherfucking gays took over the gay movement with their assimilation goals. She sounds like a But not as stupid as this, Professor. Sleigh bells ring, but do you know the history? A Boston University professor tracing the history of popular Christmas carol, Jingle Bells, found some surprising information. The song, which many believe was penned in Medford, Massachusetts, has some interesting roots, according to Professor Kanya Hamill. In an article published by BU Today, Hamill claims the author James Lord Pierpton was the son of a New England abolitionist. Pierpton reportedly joined the Confederate Army in spite of his father. The song was first performed in blackface at a minstrel show. Hamill also claimed the song was not written in Medford because Pierpont was in California at the time. In her work, Hamill found the song was part of a gender that lampooned the black community involvement with the winter fun since his writing in Slay. She claims original performances mock black people with the North northern area. This is according to an article at Boston.com. She's saying that Jingle Bells is Slaves Chains. That totally is 2017. Jingle Bells is racist. Last year I reported that it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside is a rape song. Okay. Fast Company is liberal Barbie woken up for progressive millennial parents. And this is a whole article covering how maybe they need to have more gay, black, transgender Barbie dolls. Just did an angel tree at where I work. and <clears throat> I'd say 50% of the, the dolls we got were African American. So I guess we are getting more woke on that. But I don't know how far woke we could get. 
This article starts with, you know those tweets you come across every once in a while or sort of sit back, scratch your head, and wonder if the person who wrote the tweet may have eaten a bunch of lead paint as a child? Yeah, I do that all the time. Stephen Thrasher is just that sort of tweet. Stephen Thrasher, dear legacy media publication, if you hire us in Plum Jaws, we promise we'll do better work than the straight white men, as we always have, without exposing our gentles at work or harassing other staff. Sincerely, all the women, queer and or people of color, kill all the men, but just the straight white ones and queers, that's okay to use these days. Mm. Stephen appeared to be a writer at large, writing for The Guardian and BuzzFeed. So, yeah, that's okay, though. It's good to go. Somebody just tweeted a picture of Kevin Spacey. thought that was pretty fantastic. And the rest of the people just said, Hi, bigot. How are you? This is Earth. And tweeted pictures of Bill Clinton. Another article, The 10 Things Every Intersectional Feminist Should Ask on the First Date, has gone viral. The article goes like this. It was in the USA Today, by the way. <clears throat> if feminism is advocating for women's rights and equality between the sexes, intersectional feminist is the understanding of how women's overlapping identities, including race, class, ethnicity, religion, and sexual orientation, impact the way they experience oppression and discrimination. A white woman is penalized by her gender, but is the advantage of race. Black woman is disadvantaged by her gender and her race. A Latina lesbian experienced discrimination on her ethnicity, her gender, and her sexual orientation. <clears throat> Urban Dictionary seems to have the more accurate definition. Feminism, feminism as practiced by self-righteous people who will take any excuse to be rude, demeaning, and even downright racist to other people in public. The intersectional feminist believes that just being pro-woman's rights isn't enough and that if you don't also bitch about racism and exclusion of disabled LGBT people, religious discrimination, etc., etc., as a part of every conversation, then you're just part of the problem. So here are the 10 questions. Number one, do you believe that black lives matter? Two, what are your thoughts on gender and sexual orientation? Three, how do you work to dismantle sexism and misogyny in your life? Four, what are your thoughts on sex work? Five, are you a supporter of BDS movement? Six, what is your understanding of settler colonialism and indigenous rights? Seven, do you think capitalism is exploitative? Eight, can any human be illegal? Nine, do you support Muslim Americans and non-Muslim people from Islamic countries? And ten, does your allyship include this? Wow. That's a lot to decompress. Mm, these people... Sweet Jesus. It's like Boy Scouts. It's like Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, whatever, man. It's like next level. So, you know, there's just the feminist, and then there's the Eagle Scout feminist who does it all. Just take the whole world, put it in a prism, and find everything's wrong. And hate it. Sounds good. To non-crazy liberalism, Egypt archaeologists discover mummy in the Luxor. Egyptian archaeologists have discovered a mummy in one of the two previously unexplored tombs across the Nile from the southern city of Luxor, the Antiquities Ministry said. Tombs were found in 1990 by German archaeologist Frederick Camp, though she had only researched the entrance. They found people in actual textiles. Hmm. And then sadly, all over the internet, a Chinese daredevil fell to his death last month while performing a stunt atop a 62-story skyscraper, catching his own fall on the camera. Uh, daredevil Wu Yong Nin, he's a famous internet dude that I never heard of, was doing pull-ups off the edge of the building and attained muscle failure. 
then lost his grip. I was in shock with the pictures of what things this guy's actually done. He was crazy. It's sad that he died, but for sweet Lord Jesus, why would you do that? Why? It didn't even have an edge. It didn't have a lip. It was flat. Hmm. Two things for Christmas. One, Walmart selling a marijuana Christmas tree. Yeah, really. That, that's a thing. And lastly, Amazon drivers forced to deliver, forced, forced to deliver 200 parcels a day with no time for toilet breaks while earning less than minimum wage. They interviewed a few people and they literally said that they pee in bottles. They have to get their 200 packages out. So as you get your little smile box in the front porch, say thanks to the guy. Cause it sounds like they have it really hard. To our lighter fare. Alright, being that it is the holiday season, we're going to start our lighter fare with two scenes from a Christmas story. The first one, Fragile, which is a classic. And the second one, I can't move my arms. We're going to continue this until we get through the Christmas day and probably do one more podcast next week. So we'll do some more scenes from the movie. It's still my favorite. Other ones that really tip the scale, deck the halls. I love it. You know, Christmas Vacation is funny, but Deck the Halls is really good. And I just watched another one, and what the hell was the name of that show? It was Deck the Halls, and then there was Christmas with the Cranks. Um, that was a good one. The only one I haven't... Um, Jingle All the Way is the last one I have to watch. That's a good Schwarzenegger movie. If you've never seen that, it's really kind of good. So let's enjoy some funny scenes from A Christmas Story. Me now, so you can't say I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a, it's a major award. A major award? Shucks, I wouldn't have known, Dad. It looks like a lamb. What is a lamb, you nincompoop? But it's a major award. I want it. Damn hell, you say you want it? Yeah. Yeah, mind power, sweet mind power. The entire neighborhood was turned on. Oh, you should see what it looks like from out here. 
it could be seen up and down Cleveland Street, the symbol of the old man's victory. He won that. It's a major award. <laughs> Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? <laughs> Preparing to go to school was like getting ready for extended deep-sea diving. brother looked like a tick about to pop. What? What is it? What is it? What is it? I can't put my arms down. Put your arms down when you get to school. Classic stuff. Then other things. This is from my better half, uh, Gigi. She sent me this incredibly awesome, awesome article. And it's real. It's December 13th. Austin Town, Ohio. Youngstown State University student Albert Marana was caught red-handed and arrested this week after he allegedly attempted to have sex with a 15-year-old boy who turned out to be an undercover officer. Marana the fourth. 22 is charged with attempting unlawful sex, sexual contact with a minor, disseminating matter harmful to juveniles, possessing criminal tools, and importuning. Austin Town Police say Marana started chatting through an online dating app with an undercover officer. They say Marana's conversations were sexually graphic. He sent nude pictures of himself, and he set up a meeting with someone whom he believed was an underage boy. According to police, both agreed to get together on Tuesday, December 12th, and Marana would bring lubricant, Chicken Alfredo and Sprite. Police said Marana traveled to Austin Town where he thought he'd be meeting the teen. When he got there, he was arrested. At the time of the arrest, police say Marana was carrying an iPhone, a MacBook, three zip drives, a bottle of Astroglide lubrication, a Vaseline lotion, two bottles of Sprite, and Chicken Alfredo in a Tupperware container. Marana is currently being held in the Mahoney County Jail. Now, if it wasn't pedophilia, it'd be even more funnier. But the thought process that a college student thought you could get laid 
with chicken Alfredo and Sprite. Sweet Lord. Until I read the horror article, I was making really funny jokes with my wife going, well, maybe that's why we how we need to zest up our sex life. I just start busting out some chicken Alfredo, some good Alfredo sauce in a jar. I wouldn't have to make it from scratch. But then I found out it was pedophilia. So those jokes ceased instantaneously. But what? what? How fucking sick do you have to be? How sick? That's some sick-ass shit. Anyway. We've been ending the show last couple weeks with a beautiful rendition of White Christmas. Today we're going to insert in front of it a great article that I found. Elves are great and all, but when Santa really need, really gets in a jam, he calls in the paratroopers for help. Like these guys from the 82nd Airborne at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. It was such a great display with the Golden Knights jumping in. Mm-hmm. That UFOstalkers.com reported five burning orbs appear to be coming through the atmosphere before rapidly changing directions, both descending and ascending. Three more orbs came in and did similar things before this. And it was actually the Golden Knights jumping in to a beautiful performance at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So I can't see any better way of ending a show than with badasses jumping out of an airplane. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politics webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Our next podcast, I'm going to cut one out next Friday. It will be our last podcast before Christmas. We'll say the 29th because with work schedules and me not feeling well and just life in general, I am able to get two out a week, but we'll be able to get there once the new year hits. So we're going to do a 29th show. Um, and my intent is to do one the 31st. It'll be an end of year show where we cover some crazy shit that we covered this year. It won't be a prepackaged, uh, repeat. It'll actually be a show where I take out little segments over this year's podcast and kind of talk about the crazy that was 2017 and then wish you all a great 2018 because it's got to get better. It just can't get no worse. So 29th, 31st, mark your calendar so you'll wake up the first of January 2018 with a new episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. As always, these are the holidays. My estranged son is supposedly coming over Christmas, which would be nice. We haven't seen him in quite a long time. Take time out, disconnect from your phones, computers, etc., even your podcasts like me, and spend time with your family and friends. It's a beautiful time of the year. Hate to miss it. Screwing around on Twitter. It's not that important. Let it go. And tune in next Friday for another show. As always, I thank you all for listening.
gentlemen we hope you have enjoyed the all-american holiday concert before you go we would like to leave you with one last wish
so much for coming. Santa will be available for pictures over by the tents. There will be hot cocoa. Please drive safely and have a 